Welcome to You Hear Big Girls, Attack on Titan podcast. I'm Mom Taku. And I'm Luna. And Luna, not only is this our 131 podcast, but it is also our second anniversary. So happy anniversary. Did you think we would make it? Uh, no. <laughs> I mean, I we had the same question like on our last anniversary, like, did we really think it was going to last this long? And back then the answer was no, and it's still no now. Although I will say I had less moments this this past year where I thought we uh, we were going to quit. So, but we're here. So we're still here. We're still going strong. So, I mean, we're going to finish this thing now. Come hell or high water, this is we're ending this with the end of the manga, at least, at the very least. <laughs> yes, at the very least, but we'll get into more on that in the Q&A. Mm, true, true, true. So after our first anniversary podcast, which nearly ruined us, like ended our friendship and everything. Uh, that was <laughs> oh, that was a horrible podcast. We promise never again, like never, some kind never. of like extraordinary effort here. But we did want to do something special this time as well. And mm. I think one thing that maybe sets us a part or that that we do is we do really enjoy our guests and we invite a variety of voices to be on the podcast. And Luna and I feel like that makes our podcast more diverse, maybe more enjoyable. Not that she and I are not fascinating people in our own rights, (laughs) but we wanted a way to include them again without spending 30 hours recording people. So what we did was we just asked our previous guests to send in their chapter impressions because 131 was a banger. Yes, it was. And we also had two recording sessions for our guests who kind of wanted to record with us, but we did manage to keep those mostly pretty brief. So our 131 podcast, we're going to do two things. In the first half, we're going to play the clips from our previous guests. So you're going to get chapter impressions from, I forgot, I didn't add up how many, maybe 10 people, which is kind of cool. And then the second half, Luna... Yes, so I have the brilliant idea of <laughs> listening back to our older podcasts, and I started with the very first one uh, we did, and that was our 107 chapter <laughs> discussion, and boy, oh boy, oh boy, did I hear some gems. It's honestly amazing you could hear anything over the horrible audio quality. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, it, it, the, the the discussions were good. The quality of the audio was um, questionable, especially before I got this mic. Oof, oof. Yeah, the the things we said though, they were hilarious. I uh, I had a good time listening back. I only made it back for. Let's be clear. Let's be clear. Yeah. The things I said were hilarious. <laughs> I mean, like... I can't argue with that. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, listened back for a full year. I made it to one hundred and nineteen. And I think maybe for uh, when the manga ends, we'll do the rest of the chapter discussions as well. The rest of the podcasts, we'll listen back to those. It's been really fun. So in the second half, we'll be again playing some clips and also um, especially the funny ones where we had predictions that never came true (sighs) and are really funny to listen back to. It is funny to listen back to. I will. I will concede. (laughs) All right, well, let's kick things off with the guests from our 127 podcast. That chapter, we had Petter, who was the host of Titan Tea Time, the other SNK podcast, and also our friend Coffee Life, whom we've had on several live streams. She regularly reports on events from Japan, and 
I believe by the time we have this podcast recorded, she'll have photos from her most recent trip to Kobe, where she went to the, the latest running of the Attack on Titan final exhibit. You can see those photos on her Twitter, her Tumblr, or you can come to the You Hear Big Girls website to see those. So let's listen to Coffee and Petter. Hello there, this is Petter from the Titan Tea Time podcast. Before I give my brief thoughts and initial opinions on this month's chapter, I'd just like to say happy to your anniversary to you here, big girls. Great job. Love your show. Keep up the good work. And now let's get into the chapter. After the last chapter, I wanted to see the rumbling from the point of view of the victims. Uh, so I was very, very happy to see that uh, in this month's chapter. And seeing the chapter through the eyes of these two little boys was also really effective uh, for me anyway. Uh, it felt felt just like a nightmare. And I had this uneasy feeling in my stomach for like well over an hour after I had finished reading the chapter. So I, I thought like, you see, I really managed to portray like the horrors of it very, very well. It actually reminded me a lot of my first, very first experience with Attack on Titan in general, which was episode one of the anime, after which I, I remember I needed to just sit down, just process the the dreadful scene I had just witnessed. And it was very much the same thing with this chapter this month. Very, very good. And what's interesting is that Eren was the victim back then, but now he's the one causing it all. So I, I love how Isayam has portrayed Eren's journey from then up until now. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's an incredible, incredible thing. And also seeing Eren's despair over what he has to do is a really nice addition as well. Like, I know we kind of knew it already that he felt guilt over it, but uh, seeing it the way we see it in this chapter, I, I, I personally really like that. And finally, I adored the, the final scene of this chapter between Annie and Armin. Uh, really, really nice. I tend to really like these types of scenes where it's, uh, it's just people talking with, with each other, characters interacting in, you know, just interesting ways, I guess. Uh, like, you know, the Reiner and Aaron scene in the basement of the Marley Ark, as well as uh, the big group discussion around the campfire in chapter 127 are some of my favorite moments throughout the stories. I mean, I, I love these kinds of things. Anyway, it was a very sweet scene between these two characters, and I kind of wish it would have lasted longer. <laughs> um, so yeah, overall, I love the chapter. Probably an 8 or 9 out of 10 for me, and I think it's a, it was a great way to kick off uh, volume 33, because at least I'm assuming that's what it's going to be. Uh, for anyone who wants to hear more of my thoughts, you can hear them on the Titan Tea Time podcast that I host. Uh, the episode for this month is probably already out. <laughs> and thank you so much for having me on yet another episode of yours, You Have Big Girls. And well, back over to you guys. Okay. Okay. I loved I loved how Petter just knew they would be first again. Like, are we ever going to beat them, Luna? Maybe. Like, I, yeah, they would probably be first again. But like, they already, theirs is already up and we still, we still, we're still recording. We try so hard. I mean, last chapter, I thought for sure, for sure, because they were four days later with recording. I thought we would get it up first. And no, they still beat us by like two hours. I was like, oh. God dang it. Why? <laughs> but it, at least it was only two hours. We tried so hard. Oh. Luna, I was, oh, man. Anyway, Petter, that was incredibly sweet. Thank it you was. very much. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah, go check out Titan Tea Time. <laughs> Right, you have like a whole week to listen to Titan Tea Time until we get ours online, typically. So yeah, do that. No, it really, I really do. I listen to Titan Tea Time. I enjoy it very much. It's a different vibe from us. They, they. Mm, true. I mean, a lot of times I want to strangle James, which is probably, <laughs> you know, not a normal reaction. Yeah. More podcasts, the better. I think so. It's a different vibe. I think if you, uh, 
if you like more ridiculous theories and over-the-top things, you might enjoy us more. But if you like a serious discussion, perhaps listen to James and Peter. <laughs> or listen to both. I'd say both. Yes, both. listen to both. <laughs> listen to all the podcasts. Every all one of them. them. Yes. <laughs> there we go. Okay, and now coffee. Hey, Mom and Luna. Congratulations on celebrating your second anniversary recording the podcast. Um, I, I'm sure I speak for many other people when I say thank you so much uh, for all the content you've created, for all the amazing guests you've interviewed, and it's been such a pleasure hearing everybody's point of view and what they think about this story. And you asked us to record a short audio segment talking about what we thought about this latest chapter, what our favorite part was, what do we rate it, anything that caught our eye. I rated a 10 out of 10. I think it was a very powerful chapter emotionally. I personally felt a bit sick reading it. I, I, I think surely other people must have also felt that same way. I know I've talked about being a massive fan of horror, and I am. I love horror. I love uh, all kinds of horror. Uh, but the horror that I enjoy consuming, right, is usually something very fantastical, uh, whether it's like grotesque zombies or uh, ghosts or, or uh, like some kind of survival movie, something like that, right? It's not reality. And this kind of horror is very different. This is a bit darker. This is this is something that we we can connect with our real lives, right? With real people. Whether it's um when we think about the people who were caught in the fires in California um recently or what happened during the Tohoku earthquake with the tsunami, right? This is um these people in the chapter they had they were living their their daily life they had hopes and dreams and something unstoppable just takes all of that away and 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 it's it's very powerful and i think you know you had all these people going oh i support the rumbling right don't support the rumbling uh, genocide oh is it good is it bad it's like you know i think he shows very clearly uh, yeah, it's bad, <laughs> right? And and I know we've, we've talked about these things before, but for me, I thought it was a really, really strong chapter, and I, I thought it was great. I thought it was really powerful. And other things, I, I don't know, it's hard to say like a favorite moment. I guess if I had to say a favorite moment, I thought, um, or I guess more something that caught my attention, I, I thought the, the moment with Armin and Paths was really interesting. And of course, those freaky, freaky birds, uh, that seagull giving Armin the eye. I don't know what's going up with, with that, but it was interesting. Armin and Annie, I thought, oh, it was, it was a really uh, a good way to kind of like, um, to take away some of the tension from this chapter. Uh, but other than that, um, just just in general, really strong, and I really enjoyed it. And Thank you so much for all that you do, and I'm looking forward to whatever podcast we have left with you before this is over. So, happy anniversary. Wow. That went from, like, really sweet to really sad to really oh. sweet again. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great congratulations. I really, yeah, it made me feel good. Right, but then also, like, the weight of this chapter. Hmm, Yeah. 
that stuck with a lot of people, like Peter said, and also um, coffee, how it, because, yeah, that's um, what Isayama also said as well, right? The, um, that he wanted us to feel like um, the earthquake victims. I don't remember reading that, but Coffee mentioned that in the Discord that Isayama wanted the rumbling to have that a, a feeling of dread and horror similar to those people who know they have no chance of escape, like those during the tsunami and the earthquake. He wanted it. He wanted the reader to feel that same sense of dread. And I have not, I don't know where that quote was, but I trust Coffee on this one. And when she told me that, I was like, oh my God, that's exactly how I felt. And it did not help at all that I was watching uh, the day that I got it, watching the explosion uh, in Lebanon and and just the real life desperation versus what I was reading, desperation. And, you know, it, it just impressed upon how much more awful that was. Yeah, because uh, indeed when the leaks dropped, that's when the explosion in uh, Beirut happened. And we just saw so much dread and despair. And that was just in one city. So to imagine it on a, a, a global scale, it really put into perspective how awful what's happening is in this story right now. So, yeah, um, I think it left a deep impression, this chapter, on a lot of people. It did. And, you know, in the poll, we tried to gauge some of that. We, we listed a group of words and asked people, you know, what best describes your feeling about the rumbling? And the most popular option, or the two most popular options, were terrifying and tragic. In fact, those are the only two that got a majority of us. And another poll question we asked was, on a scale from it's just a flesh room to, holy shit, this is awful. How did you feel about the portrayal of the rumbling? And again, overwhelmingly, 72% of the fandom picked the highest option there. I do think that Isayama did the display of horror very well. I know I felt it. Yeah, I think uh, it resonated with a lot of people. Even on the chapter poll, we were like struggling. Do we even have an MVP this month? How do we handle favorite moments? Do we have joke questions? Do we change the way we've done things for years because this chapter was such a mood? Yeah, I think for a lot of people, even people who were kind of in favor of the rumbling because they support the Paradisians and they've seen what they've all been through, are now finally faced with the reality of just how awful it is what Aaron is doing. That feeds in really well to our next set of clips. So this is going to be from our first group recording, which included Leslie, Renan, Polka, Puppet, and Nitaku. Mm. Let's go ahead and listen to Leslie's clip. I have a couple conflicting views on this because in one, one part, I'm happy that a lot of people like are empathizing with Aaron now in a way because it's like they can see he's not just some maniacal, you know, mustache twirling evil villain who just wants to kill people. He feels genuinely that he has to do this. So on that part, I'm happy. But on the other part, it's just the carnage of it. It's very hard supporting someone and seeing, you know, the results of his actions in this kind of way. So all in all, I pref like I really enjoy the chapter. But, you know, it's just hard seeing Aaron do this. You know, it's, it's easy to support rumbling until you actually see it happen. And I imagine when the anime comes out, it's just going to be harder to watch. So did this change your impressions of Aaron in any way? No. <laughs> Is it, are you disappointed? No, no. I, I always believed that he was doing things because he felt that he needed to do it. But I feel like it's more of like everyone understands that he's not doing it. 
you know, for maniacal reasons. And, you know, they're having a bit more empathy for him because you can see he's he's basically suffering while he's, do- he's doing what he's doing. So it's it's basically, I, I feel bad now that everyone gets where I'm coming from. So now, like, they can make that distinction between people that feel like how I feel and people who think, you know, more closely to how Flock feels about things, which is completely different from how I feel. Are you talking about, like, people that support Aaron with, with the different any, ideologies? Yeah. yeah. Like, there's people who look at what Aaron does. It's like, yeah, kill him. They deserve it, blah, blah, blah. And don't look towards the humanity of the people that he's trying to, you know, basically snuff out. And there's people, like, who coincide with that, like Flock, who are just like, we need to do it for, to protect our people and we share no empathy towards those people whatsoever. They, they deserve this because they were racist. So every single one of them has to, you know, die kind of thing. And there's people like me who are like, I understand why Aaron would think this way, but it's really not the smartest move. But I understand why he would see it the way he's seen it because of all he's been through. The weight he feels is on his shoulders to protect his people. So on a scale from one to ten, how would you rank the chapter? Nine. But Nine. I don't wanna I don't wanna be like that kind of guy who's like, oh, it can't be perfect. But I generally felt like this chapter was perfect in almost every way. The spectacle, the you know, the emotion, but yeah, nine point five, you know, without giving too much to it. I feel like I might be, you know, different later on as uh as I let the chapter simmer. But for now it's a nine point five, hundred percent. So what's missing that you're not giving it a perfect 10? Huh. I didn't like the whole anti-Armin thing. Not too much. And the thing is, people, like, I think it's because people blew up in my imagination because while we're waiting for the chapter, people were talking about shipping or it's going to be an anti-Armin thing. They're basically flirting. But when I read it, it was like, oh, they're just having a conversation, <laughs> like a normal conversation, you know, heart-to-heart conversation like friends. So I feel like that influenced my, I don't know, irritability towards it. But all in all, minus that bit, I, I really enjoyed the chapter. So yeah, I, uh, it, it was fun listening to Leslie's uh, reaction for this chapter. Like we read the fanlation at about the same time. And we were both discussing it in a way like, wait, we're on the same page about Aaron. And I was like, how come you're a Jaegers? <laughs> and Leslie was like, how come you're not a Jaegers? <laughs> it reminded me of that Spider-Man meme, you know, where they both are Spider-Man and they're pointing at each other. And I'm like, but we're the same. I was in the <laughs> Discord for that. And that was so funny. Yeah. I really appreciate, like, Leslie is a Jaegerist, but he's not like any Jaegerist I've ever met. He's definitely different. He's not one of those, Aaron is the hero, Aaron is the goat, Aaron, blah, blah, blah. He. Mm-hmm differentiates himself from those but it did what he did made me curious like how many uh, let me ask you luna what percentage of people who answered the poll do you think are in that camp that aaron is the hero aaron is the greatest aaron is justified i mean what what do you think previous polls have bought me anything then i'd say like 35 ish percent are still on that team we had uh, one question. What best describes your thoughts about Aaron? And, uh, you know, variety there. But the, the first option, Aaron is the goat, 15%. It's interesting, though, in the how do you feel about the rumbling? Only 
3% called it heroic, but there was 17% that called it justified. So it does seem like, I would say 15. Yeah, it's not as big of a percentage as I thought, which is good. Yeah. <laughs> because you remember the previous polls, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and that, 30. that would have been a much bigger percentage normally. So I think, if anything, this is proof that this chapter did change people's mind. Well, nobody will admit it changed their minds. No, that's true. But, but, but we, have, we have the data to back it up. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so about 15% of people, it seems, are like firmly on the, uh, the genocide train. Leslie is not one of those. No, no. Like he's understanding of Aaron and his motivations, but he can acknowledge that genociding everyone is not the answer. We've also asked our resident flock stan, the creator of our quick fire round and guest from our anniversary podcast, Polka, to join us. Polka, what were your chapter impressions? Uh, I might clarify, it's the, it's the doom of flock stan now. I, I just want my wild ride to end. Just let it end. <laughs> Kill him. Kill him like dignified. I just wanted to just end, please. No, um, the, the chapter was amazing. I really enjoyed it. We were watching Andrew's stream before we started recording this. I think this he encapsulates it perfectly. The way that I wasn't jumping around going, oh, hell yeah, Aaron Yeager killing people and innocent children and, and family. Whoa, that's amazing. No, no, I wasn't about that. But um, I was more about the way they show him as a child doing it. And like the, the visuals are really good as well. But the um, the contrast with... The, on the ground level of all these people being killed and all the the horror basically of it all and then the contrast with him up up top on this titan or in, in his imagination or whatever the hell he's in and he's in like a childlike form where he is like a he's a god and he has so much power and yet as Rhino said he's the least worthy person to have that power because he's a child at heart I mean I didn't really mind the Annie Army um, and stuff as well uh, I quite enjoyed it. I think the contrast between Armin and Eren, the way they looked outside the world, Eren was disappointed to find those people and it never really left him from what we can see uh, compared to Armin who found out the new people and he sort of just accepted it. I might add, I've only read the chapter once when I'm doing this. So, um... Was it you in the Discord that made the co the contrast too between child Aaron versus grown up Armin in paths? Uh, yeah, it was me. Um, yeah, because it's it's the idea that Armin matured and he understood that the outside world is a different place, and Aaron just sort of was disappointed the outside world just basically just inside the walls. But Aaron thought there was going to be like all this stuff, like glistering oceans, like we saw in the end of the, the final season of the anime, and like volcanoes or whatever. And he found out it was just more of the same really and he was quite disappointed and uh now he's gonna kill everyone for it so yay you know <laughs> he's a villain protagonist that's how i'd classify him now he's not a good person and you can't justify his any of his actions he's a good and, person um, he's just flawed he's not a good person he's not he's a good person, person. <laughs> leslie leslie keep this in the recording by the way i love this juxtaposition now between the jaegerists like whereas one is like he's good no he's not <laughs> listen this is intra-team fighting so, Polka, on a scale from 1 to 10, what would you rank the chapter? It was uh, a solid 9. I think it was... A solid 9? I think the only problems I had was the translation, and I think that if that gets fixed up, then I'll be perfectly happy with it. And yeah, no, he's a bastard. Don't, don't ever support him. Or, or Flock. Don't support Flock. Have you always thought Aaron is a bastard, or is this a new realization for you? Uh, I think I realized it about hmm, 
When, um, when, when did the walls <laughs> come down? <laughs> That's 123, I think. This is Malayan propaganda, and I will not sit for it. I think that was when I sort of went, hmm, maybe this, maybe he's not the greatest guy in the world. And I was kind of hyped for it. I was like, oh, yeah, the rumbling. And now, now like, watching it unfold, it's kind of like, huh, it's kind of shit, in it? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, well, that always be my favorite line. Like, oh, yeah, the rumbling. <laughs> and then, oh, it's kind of shit, in it? <laughs> we'll never stop enjoying that. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was my favorite moment, I think, from the recording process. Mm. That was adorable. Thank you, Polka. That was adorable. Thank Although I don't you. know that he thought it was adorable, but I thought it was. I don't think he fully remembers saying it the next day, but we have it on tape, so there's evidence. We do. And I, I just say thank you again to Polka for all the quick fire rounds and um, just being such a good sport about everything. Uh, something Polka did mention that he enjoyed was that Annie and Armin moment, which I know has been a little bit controversial. Some people really hated it, felt like it had no place at all in the story. What did you think about that? Yeah, it's an it's an interesting moment. It was kind of to break away from all the tragedy we were seeing. And it was finally having Annie and Armin talk, which is something we had been uh, anticipating since at least 126. Ha ha pie. But... Now we finally had it, and I don't know. For me, it just felt so out of place, um, the whole conversation. And also, it it kind of happened in a way that I have some issues with, because you know what's going on, and you're talking about things as if, um, you know, I don't know. I, I just felt like, um, how do I say this? Annie and Armin are not really discussing what happened in the past four years. Which is odd because, like, everything that Armin did ha could also have affected Ani quite negatively, especially when he went to Liberia to um, nuke the harbor. I mean, I'm, I know he didn't want to do it, but it's still something that you would think, like, considering that was Ani's main motivation to even join up with uh, with them, you know, to see her father again. You would think that at least there would be some sort of bad blood or you know something to discuss there, and there just wasn't, and. I don't know. It 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 felt. I'm glad it wasn't overly shipping. I I enjoyed that it was uh, a conversation where they talk about some of their feelings and things they need to do still. But on the other hand, um, this was not the way I envisioned the conversation would go. Hmm. I enjoyed it. Okay. So what did you enjoy about it then? I thought it was just enough. It was, it wasn't, like you said, it wasn't like an overtly shippy moment. It was definitely, there was a little bit of that there. I mean, there's definitely a lot more that needs to be said. And I think it did a good job of conveying that. Like, it, you know, you got the sense that it was a tentative conversation. There was a lot unsaid. What are you going to say? I mean, they're on their way, probably going to die to go take down Aaron or to at least try to stop him. And, you know, they've got a few minutes you're in this situation. What do you talk about? And for Annie to thank Armin for talking to her for all those years, I thought that is something I wanted to get. And Armin, he started down the topic of being a monster now. And, you know, you could kind of see his conflicting feelings. And so I, to me, it was, it was the right amount of everything without being too much. And sounds like you wanted more. 
Uh, or you no, want I, a different? Different, different. Yeah, I think mm. um, from Armin's perspective, you know, I remember when 126 came out, we were like, wait, he was so worried about what Annie would think of him. And I know uh, Annie at least appreciated Hitch talking to her, but like, did we really get the feeling that she enjoyed what Armin had to say to her? Like, or I'm sure she was glad that at least people were talking to her and that there was something going on that she could, you know, hold on to. Yeah, she made but, the comment that she would have gone mad otherwise. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe it's from that perspective. I was surprised, though. I, I would have, if, if you had asked me, well, actually, if you go through last year's podcast, you will probably mm-hmm. find a clip of me denying anything shippy between those two. So, <laughs> I clearly got that wrong. Uh, I never in a thousand years would have thought that he would frame it as a romantic type of thing on Armin's end. So I was very surprised by that. I don't mind that. It's just... I don't mind it either. I just never... I didn't see it coming. weird. Yeah, that's that's the whole thing. Like, there's no good build up to it. It's like he being like a weird stalker sitting in front of her crystal, touching her crystal while she's asleep and her being like, oh, thank you for doing that. Yeah, I mean, there's a little I, bit of icky there. Like there's but... a bit of ick in there. So I thought, well, maybe if they have like an actual conversation about, you know, what's been going on in their lives and talk about you know thoughts and feelings but then it's more yeah i don't know i i I wasn't quite satisfied with the the whole conversation but i wasn't too put off by it well let me ask you this do you want more or are you was it enough uh no i would like to see it go somewhere like their relationship but in whatever capacity um but i just want it to be developed in a better way than what we got this chapter that's all and like i said it kind of felt out of place to see them all blushy and kind of a little bit of a shippy moment when on the other side we have like some really really gruesome stuff and i get that maybe people enjoy that like to have something lighthearted with all the gruesomeness but for me it just felt out of place this chapter so there (laughs) <laughs> I, li- I liked it. I see all your points, but I did. I guess I'm a less harsh about it. It was something I had been waiting for, and it was better than ha ha pie. And I'm just really easy to please. I'm also really happy for the shipping community that likes that ship. Like anytime something like this happens, I always think good for them. You know, I, I any of the other Arm and Annie ships probably are very unhappy with it, but I try to. I never really shipped Annie with anybody, so. It's okay. It's okay with me. Yay. Yay, Arawani, whatever the ship name is. Another thing about the Armin Ani discussion that I want to mention is that, which also relates to Angrian's post on Reddit, which we'll link down below. At the end of that one, he, Angrian says, I think the importance of establishing this connection is that Ani needs to understand that her life does matter even without her father. And people like Hitch and Armin are evidence of that. And I feel like, yeah, that that's also the only reason why I can appreciate this moment being put in this part and in this chapter, because what else does Annie have left to motivate her to keep on going? And I feel like if she feels a connection to any human outside of her father, even if it's Armin, for better or for worse, then if that was the only reason they had this sock, then I'm okay with it, if it doesn't go anywhere other than this. That's. I mean, I would suggest reading the whole thing, of course, but that was like the thing that really stood out to me from Angrian's post. Yeah, that was a great post. So somebody else 
<laughs> yeah. Shall we move into? Yeah. Somebody else who was very unhappy with the chapter 126, ha ha pie, uh, is our friend Renan, who's the next clip that we're going to listen to. I thought that 131 was like a good chapter to go back to what Isayama was good from the beginning, which is the sense of brutality and hopelessness. And in that sense, it reminded me a lot of the, of course, the first few chapters in the Trost arc, where that is quite present. And maybe like in the most de desperate situations of the Return to Shingen-Shina arc. I was actually kind of impressed with how much Isayama made us care about Feskun. I didn't expect that he was going to get that much focus. I mean, it was kind of obvious uh, looking at it, but I didn't expect Isayama present him and instantly kill him in a single chapter. But that was done in uh, quite well. I guess he was the best way to deliver a way for the audience to sympathize with the people that are suffering because of the rumbling. And I thought that it was quite well paced, uh, his story and uh, his tragedy, along with Aaron's. So it's kind of good how those two intertwined during the, the whole chapter. It's kind of strange and interesting to see how deranged and conflicted Aaron has become. It doesn't feel as simple as before, you know? That's interesting that you say that it, it seems doesn't seem as simple because to me it seems like more simple, like almost overly simple now. It's literally just, I want to do this. I have to do this. I'm going to do this. To me, Aaron actually felt like more simple than ever. I, I think I disagree because it feels like this chapter has presented like the whole build-up of his character coming up to this moment where like... In a, in a moment of desperation where you kind of know the, the many different factors that you, couldn't sh you can't shy away from and you can't run away, but you're seeing, you're feeling all of that mount up to, to what you're doing. You're in a chaotic state of mind, right? Aaron is basically like that at this moment. He's shifting from guilt to empathy to thinking about how he has to protect uh, his people and being enraged about the choices of the of King Fritz, but also going back to his mentality as a child and his dream. And all of those thoughts and factors are shifting and coming to the forefront of his thoughts all the time. So he's in that chaotic sense of mind. His personality is basically breaking as much as Reiner did back in the, the Clash of the Titans, I think. He is obviously suffering co continuously with the choices that he has made and with his own nature. It's something that I asked like in the VC that I was just a while ago. It's like, how does a person that has gone to, through so much trauma and that also has empathy for others and is also tormented by memories of others and also all of the past and the future. How does a person like that work, you know? How does she work in a daily sense? I don't think it's, it's simple like that. I feel sympathetic to Aaron, but it also convinced me that he can't keep this, this power with him. 
that he needs to be put down, you know. He's just broken, you know. I don't agree with his plan. I don't think it makes sense. But it has come to a point that his personality and his mentality has completely shattered. That's what it feels like. Man, you're making me feel terrible for him. <laughs> I mean, Renan is talking about him like, you know, a dog, like that needs to be put down. Oh. So Renan, you enjoyed the chapter on a scale from one to 10? Where would you rank it? <laughs> I'm giving it a 10. Well, Luna, what'd you think? Um, yeah, well, he's at least on the same uh, page as I'd say Leslie is. Like, he kind of understands his, his frame of mind, but also is saying it's a horrible, horrible thing that's going on right now. So, something that you said, and I don't have it in front of me, but it, when we were going back to the old podcasts, you'd mm -hmm. said that whenever anybody compares Aaron and Reiner, a part of your soul dies. And Actually, so I, I looked that back up because um, you mentioned it. It was whenever uh, someone compares um, Zeke to Reiner, but I guess Aaron oh, and Zeke. Reiner works okay. now as well. Okay. So if you're listening, I'm calling you out as well. <laughs> so uh, what do you think about that? You're a huge Reiner fan. What do you think about comments like this that Aaron is now dis dis disassociating? <laughs> disassociating, much like Reiner did. Do you agree? No, no, no. And it it bothers me when people say like, oh, he's the same because, you know, he cannot cope with the amount of horrible things he's doing. Like, that's not who he is. I'm like, no, that is who he is. That's what he's been saying. I was born this way. We've seen him do it before. You know, like, of course, you know, in the past, he would go after people that he felt deserved it. So. Now we're at a point where he knows he's killing the innocent, but he feels like it's something he has to do. And I don't think he's um, dissociating. I, I don't think that at all. I think he's fully aware of what he's doing. And he's also made the conscious choice of doing it. He's like, he's, yeah, I know this is hard. And I know, you know, it's, you know, you can see him, as, especially with Feskun, Feskit, Ramsey, <laughs> that, you know, he was he completely broke down in tears and um he is not like reiner reiner was like he couldn't cope with it so he had to come up with a complete alternative personality as a coping mechanism where i feel like aaron is more like shutting everyone out as a way to cope in the poll, when we asked about this, about 20% mm. of the fandom think he's having a mental breakdown. Which, uh, yeah, I can understand that train of thought, especially because we saw Aaron as a kid as well, this chapter. Mm -hmm. Going all, wee, <laughs> Killing all the, everyone! Wee! And then, you know, also that weird look, like, um, well, at first he's going wee, but then he looks like um, his eyes turn sort of glassy. I don't know how else to describe it. Yeah. So, I'm pretty uh, sure when he's saying we, freedom, that he has <laughs> not noticed what's happening below him. I am very much on the train that we're going to get a scene where kid Aaron looks down and sees it and starts to cry. And that's going to tie back into chapter one. See you later, Aaron, when Aaron wakes up crying from a dream. So I, I don't think Aaron being a kid, Aaron being excited 
is necessarily a sign that he's like rejoicing in the destruction at all. I don't, I just don't think he's seen it yet. Oh, no, I don't think he's rejoicing in the destruction, but I think he's fully aware of it. I'm just, mm-hmm. I just thinking like Kit Aaron's dream was to achieve freedom and he is now doing that. He's achieving freedom. So he's enjoying that part of it. And I think he's kind of compartmentalized. Is that a word? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the other part of what is necessary to achieve freedom he wants and that's killing everyone so child him that that part of him that the part that desires freedom is enjoying this but the other part of him is probably closest to the the head on a stick we saw at the end we don't know how else to better explain Mm -hmm. it it's pretty good we'll be listening to heidi's clip in a a little while heidi had a funny way of describing it Mm, true (laughs) But let's see what the the fandom thought of Aaron. And I think, yeah, so most people actually do think he is reverting to a child to actually cope with the guilt that he's facing. Actually, well over 38% of all people think that. And that's the, yeah, a lot. (laughs) And then the the rest of the, or the next biggest option is... uh, People agreeing with me that he's achieving the goal he held as a child. So that's about 36%. And then, well, I guess you could kind of say that um, that he's losing his grip on reality is kind of the same as mentally regressing. 12.3% chose that option, that he's losing his grip on reality. So I think a good chunk of the fandom, I'd say probably around half, thinks he's uh, not fully there, at least at the moment. Something I want to um, mention too, I'll mention it now, I'll probably mention it several times, is that we're playing the chapter impressions of our guests, but there was a lot more that was talked about and discussed. And so we're going to have a bonus episode. Uh, and I'm, I'm saying this now because Renan is one of those who I've clipped off some of what he said. And we're going we're gonna to have all these comments from, from Renan, from Rune Lai, from Nitaku, from everyone that we've interviewed. We'll have a, a bonus episode Probably It probably won't take me too long to get that online after this one is published, where you can hear more fully what happened in these, in these conversations. So with our anniversary episodes, it seems like we always end up with a bonus episode full of uh. content. So <laughs> this will be similar. Hopefully this one will not be like two hours long as well. <laughs> so let's move on to our next clip. Now, this is Puppet. And I think, is Puppet our only previous guest who actually still like supports the rumbling morally or am i i think um, he might i think he's the only one well i i have to listen to what humble has to say <laughs> <laughs> no i don't think humble supports the rumbling but uh, uh okay well let's listen to okay. puppet <laughs> okay Next, we've invited back our friend Puppet, who was a guest on the 113, 115, and 120 podcast. Um, Puppet, what did you think? How was the chapter? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I can lead with saying that I am a Roebling supporter, and so I'm really happy with how Isayama handled this and Aaron. Uh, Aaron's become my favorite character since the Marley arc. I didn't really care for him much before that. So some Aaron fans are upset at changes, you know, because they loved old Aaron. I never really did. And so the more the new Aaron does new Aaron things, the more I like it. So did this change your feelings about the rumbling or about Aaron? I think it made me really happy because it reaffirmed my thoughts on it. 
my favorite chapter in a long time was 123. And this kind of was almost a prequel to that in a sense with some of the Fescoon things. We see him crying briefly in 123. And I think that's basically the end of the scene where he's crying here. And it's pretty similar to how I guessed it played out. So, Awesome. So on a scale from 1 to 10? Uh, 10. Wow. That's like, dag. This has to become the highest rated chapter ever. It's probably my favorite since 123. What's funny is we've been listening back to our old podcasts, including the ones that you've been on. I think you were the one that said that, you know, Aaron's thoughts are the new basement and that we would be waiting. I think we said that in the 113 podcast and here it is 130. Yeah, I think everyone's just so relieved to finally kind of see Aaron, hear him, watch him, even though it's catastrophic. Yeah, we finally got inner monologue on his feelings, which we haven't gotten since like chapter 90. How did you feel about that one panel where he says that he was disappointed to learn that there were there was humanity outside of the walls and that what he saw in Armin's book wasn't reality. Yeah. Uh, that kind of hails back to his depressing monologue at the beach that he, he, he was looking forward to exploring the world with Armin, you know, finally being free past the Titans. But Armin was just excited for the ocean because it's the ocean. Aaron was excited for it because he thought it would symbolize that they're done fighting once they've gotten past the Titans. So realizing that there were humans outside that were sending the Titans and didn't like them and were a threat, uh, that is a lot less exciting than land to explore freely, I think. Well, that's a good take on it. So Luna, what do you think about what Puppet said, that Aaron was disappointed that the people beyond the walls meant that he would have to keep fighting? Do you think that that was the cause of Aaron's disappointment? That panel, we, he says... When I knew there were people outside the world, I was disappointed. What do you think he meant when he said that? It, it could be like um, a combination of factors. And I think that does play into it. Because indeed it meant like he, I think that he wanted to be done with fighting. And I thought he would, Aaron thought it would uh, end at destroying all the Titans. And obviously that wasn't the case. But I also think it's, like you said, this chapter, um, those walls that were taunting him, you know, restricting his freedom every day, and he was would finally be free to do as he pleased. You know, that was also, I think, part of why he wanted to join the Survey Corps, you know, because they went past the walls, you know, that would be a little bit more freedom in the world he was living in. And now he realizes that it's not just that he has to keep on fighting because there's so many people in the world who despise the Paradisians, but it's also the realization like, wait, all of this magical adventure stuff that I had thought about <laughs> with Armin, that I could do whatever I wanted to go and go out and do as I please, is also not the case because there's a whole nother world he has to take into consideration now. It's not as black and white as, it, as he stated it at the, the end of season th uh, three at the ocean where he said, like, is the whole world our enemy now? Mm -hmm. And in his mind, he did make it up black and white because he did consider everyone else to be an enemy and he just indiscriminately is now killing everyone. But we know, we've seen that he's made the, the refugees, he's made good friends with those. He's seen that there's good people in, in Marley, even, in Liberio. So he knows that's not the case. 
Our other guests are going to talk about this more. Like Nitaku's got some thought, thoughts, rune line, mostly humble. Humble feels very passionately about this, which you will see. Spoilers yeah, coming I, uh... soon. <laughs> but, you know, we asked on the poll, why was Aaron disappointed among, upon discovering that humanity existed outside the walls? And one of the options we gave was that the existence of people ruined his childhood vision of a completely free, uninhabited landscape. And amazing. I'm kind of shocked by this. That was the most popular selection. So I think we all know that he's disappointed that he has to keep fighting. He's disappointed that the grass was not greener on the other side, that there are garbage people on both sides. Maybe he his idealized vision clearly did not come true. But I was really shocked at the number of people who think that just the mere presence of people, even if they were good people, that just the fact that they even exist offends him because it impedes his freedom. And 34% of the fandom selected that as the most important reason for his disappointment, which I think is incredibly high. Um, Mm. But I think there's some merit to it. Like, I do think that, that he had this vision of the Wild West where they would just go out exploring and the fact that he would have to go through towns and deal with rules and deal with property. And I, I do think that that bothered him. And that's pretty uncharitable of me to say, because what kind of weird isolationist, or I don't know what the word is, but what kind of weird mentality would that be to be upset that people even exist on land because they get in your way? Like, Aaron's not doing himself any favors by presenting it that way. I think he's saying that because, like, again, it meant he would never be able to realize his dream. I think that's it. Like the only thing he had been pursuing was his freedom. And then that was like the smack in the face where you realize, no, I will never be able to obtain it. So it's not so much about like people being there, you know, like, oh no, there's others. <laughs> More about what it meant to, for him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it it didn't jive with his dream, but. Yes. But it's, it does. I don't think it's like, oh no, other people. Ugh. Psst. I don't want them. You know, I don't I don't I, feel it I was think, that. I think a significant portion of the fandom think that it is, though, because, like, when you read the chapter, that's how it yeah, absolutely yes, is conveyed. At, yeah, if you take it at face value and, like, the way he says it, then, yeah, that's automatically the first thing you think. Like, wait, what? Is he really saying? Is he really saying this? <laughs> yeah, that was me. When I was reading this chapter, I was just like, wait a minute. You're kidding. And that's what, when I said to Rena that I... I it, it seems more simple now. Like, I was expecting some sort of better reason why he was acting this way. And, you know, for him just to honestly say, you know, it's just not what I pictured. This is not what I pictured. I was disappointed. Yeah. I don't know. It just seems like so I petty. Said, uh, yeah, I know. It's It sounds really petty. And, like, I don't think that is his main reason. I don't either. Why for the know. record, I don't think so either. But the fact that it was written that way, I was just I like, Ooh, this is it makes not. Him, yeah, it makes him seem even more. It does. Ru- yeah, ruthless and detached. But like I said, for the record, that's not how we feel like it should be interpreted. No, I don't, don't think so. Don't come for us. <laughs> <laughs> It's just really hard to defend him. Like, man, people come into my inbox and they're just like, yeah, "Yeah." okay. I also like that I said about that this would be like the highest rated chapter of all time. Yeah. 
but it's it's close. It's not it's the very high close, tech, but it's in uh, in fourth place. So the right. highest rated chapter so far is uh, 122, which where we got Emir's backstory. Mm-hmm. Then we saw the aftermath of Aaron um, wrecking havoc in uh, Liberia with 101 and 102. Then, of course, this chapter 131, and then f- in fifth place is uh, 112, where I've always hated you. That, that that was for me actually the hardest re- chapter to read because he was so mean to Mikasa and he beat the crap out of Armin and I was just like whoa yeah okay that was where I had to you know take breaks while reading the chapter I couldn't read that in one sitting so I'm guessing that's how people felt this chapter a, a lot of people seem to like just listening to back to these submissions that we got this was not an easy chapter <laughs> okay. So somebody who has complained about every, like, (laughs) do I dare introduce Nitaku? Next up, Nitaku. He could almost be Dutch. That's how much he complains. Yes. Well, let's see what (laughs) Nitaku thought about chapter 131. Chapter impressions are actually pretty good. I really liked this one. I I think this actually, I've said before, I feel like there's a little bit of connection that needs to be made between... Aaron pre-Shiganshina and Aaron post-Shiganshina, I feel like this chapter gave a lot of what I needed and what it and how it portrayed Aaron's psyche. So this was that connective tissue that you've always been talking about. It's some of it. It's a lot. Like, I really like the way it characterized Aaron. I, I'm a little unclear about how Aaron seems super guilty in these flashbacks and how he's very much... He's very much on the side of everyone's animals. I'm going to kill them all in the previous chapter. So I feel like I feel like there's still some sort of change that goes on between this flashback and the current one. But definitely, this is a lot of what I needed. Like I, I think this gave a lot of clarity into how the, uh, Aaron seeing the future is sort of influencing how he's acting now and sort of changing his personality a bit and molding in, into a new character, sort of. Were there any surprises for you in this chapter? Uh, yeah, I, I guess I thought there was going to be more to Ramsey. Uh, it's fine the way they used. I, I, I really did think that Ramsey would have a larger role in Aaron's plan for some reason, but I like the way he was used, where he just sort of gets killed. Scale of one to ten, how do you rank the chapter? This is pretty high. I'd say this is one of the better ones from the final arc. I'd say it's a strong, like eight or nine out of ten. More towards eight, I'd say. All right. Did hell just freeze over, Luna? (laughs) I don't know. You tell me. (laughs) I mean, he liked it. He liked it. I know. After, (laughs) I I, I wish I could shout out that one person who was like, why why is this guy on? Why is he complaining so much (laughs) in the comments when we first had, had him on? So, but yeah, he's, he's very critical usually of, uh, of the work. So to, to hear Nitaku say that he enjoyed this chapter was, uh, that must mean it's good, right? Exactly. And again, more of Nitaku's thoughts will be in that bonus episode because we did ask him about Moses Braun and <laughs> yeah, a few other things. So look for that there. But Nitaku, we've appreciated you being a guest many times and thank you for your thoughts on the chapter. Yes, thank you. So now we're going to move to the other wiki admin that we've had as guest, Rune Lai, who came back again to give us her thoughts on chapter 131. Let's listen to those. 
possibly one of the first things that struck me after I finished this chapter is how powerful it is showing the price that Aaron is willing to accept for his vision. And I think a lot of of people expected that once we started seeing the kid who finally has a name, he's Ramsey. Once we saw Ramsey and his family trying to flee from the the oncoming wall titans, we finally could see the price that Aaron was willing to accept in order to accomplish his vision. And the fact that he did not spare Ramsey, that he was willing to accept the innocent children as part of the casualties, shows what he's willing to do. And that he's also accepted that he is no longer a good person. Then the flashback when Aaron sees the kid and he instinctively wants to go help him because he knows like this is the right thing to do. The kid's just trying to get by. But then he tells himself, oh, but I'm going to kill the kid anyway. He realizes that he's what he's going to do is reprehensible. It's not the nice thing to do. And it's not what he instinctively wants to do. But that kind of just felt like it was like the really strong moment and the message of the chapter. But other than that, this chapter felt really story light to me. This might just be like the wiki admin in me. But <laughs> but this chapter is the first chapter of the 33rd volume of Attack on Titan, which means that if Isayama holds to his last known prediction of ending the manga in 2020, there are only three more chapters after this. So I was like, well, this was powerful, but very little actually happened. The pacing is too slow if he's trying to wrap this up in three chapters. I don't think he can do it. <laughs> I agree with you. Like the emotions of this chapter are off the charts, but I know for me personally, like when we were working on the poll this month, I don't want to say we struggled to find 25 questions, but there was a lot of repetition. Like this chapter was all emotion and it was a specific thing and the boat hasn't really moved or the boat has moved, but we haven't seen it. So I I agree with your assessment. On a scale from one to 10, what would you rank the chapter? You know, I think probably a seven or an eight. I'm a harsh grader, though, so (laughs) it doesn't mean like I hated it. I know with some people, like a seven means it's average. For me, that means I thought it was pretty good, but because I came away with it, like, well, I know what the price Aaron's willing to pay now, but I don't feel like I got much else out of the chapter. It left me a little wanting. And in this chapter, was there anything that especially surprised you, or was it basically what you expected? At this point, I accepted that Aaron was really going through with the rumbling. There was no ulterior motive. So I was not really surprised that the kids died. I would have been surprised if Ramsey somehow lived. So the thing that surprised me was probably there's this flashback scene where he remembers his childhood conversation with Armin talking about the flaming water and the frozen plains. And that part, like when Isayama does flashbacks, he fills the empty space around the panels with black. And then the next few pages immediately after that, we see childhood Aaron talking about freedom juxtaposed with the wall titans and it's like massacring everybody in their path. And the empty space around those panels is all white, which implies that somehow childhood Aaron is actually in the present. And then it ends with childhood Aaron turning and seeing Armin in the paths and I don't know what that means, but because it has to actually somehow be happening in the present because there's no flashback. There's no black around the panels. Childhood Aaron is somehow in the present. 
I thought Rune Life's point was really good there and something that I've not heard a lot of other people talk about. This is not a flashback of Child Aaron. This is Child Aaron in the present, in the story, at this moment, in paths. And I don't know what to make of that. We've seen Zeke take on different forms in paths as well, right? Like an old man. Mm-hmm. So, And I even Ymir like takes on a child. She's exactly. a child in paths. So I feel like past is a bit more fluent in this <laughs> in choosing like how you can portray yourself. Or maybe it has to do with how you feel mentally. Maybe, you know, for Emir, like that's when she became a titan. I I'm guessing at it when she was a child, so that's also when all of this started, so it, it would make sense that for her she's I hope we get more on that. A child in past and and, and yeah, and right. Zeke. Zeke felt like he, he had been sitting there for ages, so he felt like an old man. And we can see that Aaron is, he's finally achieving his childhood dream. So I'm, I'm, I'm putting it in, in that category. What do you think? I do think this is a game changer. Like this is the part of the chapter that I was most intrigued. Well, there are two parts, the appearance of Ymir and the fact that Aaron can apparently be any age and summon anyone, like all the fluctuation that happens there. Something Runeline went on to talk about was like in the other paths chapters, how much ground Isayama was able to cover. He was able to really move the story forward because the paths dimension is like, time doesn't count. Interactions can be whatever they are. Like he literally has no narrative rules. He can do whatever he wants in paths. And I could see that if we do have the next couple of chapters, or if we have another full paths chapter where Aaron could assume various forms, he could, you know, if he is sort of like going through different stages or different emotions, he could have conversations with anybody he wants at this point in the, in the narrative. He can call Mikasa to Paz. He could call Levi. He could call Reiner. A lot could happen very quickly. So I agree with Rune Lai that it doesn't seem likely that this manga is going to end in three chapters. But I think about the basement reveal chapter, where basically because it was a book, Isayama was able to switch the manga into book style and just have pages and pages and pages of information dump. With Paths, he's able to just settle a lot of stuff really quickly because he can do what he wants. So I do think that this is smart and this might get some emotional resolution with a lot of characters who couldn't otherwise talk to Aaron because Aaron's not accessible at this moment. A humongous talk no jutsu moment. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like a bunch of little talk no jutsu moments. I wonder, I wonder. I, I just, I feel like that would get old really quickly unless he calls them all together and they can kind of interact with each other as well. Think about the the other paths chapters, though. Like we basically did a whole walk through memory lane in the course of a chapter. Think about how much new information that presented to us. How many bombs were dropped? No, I'm not saying I disagree, but it's just if you have to do that with every character one by one, who you feel like should get a resolution with Aaron, I uh, I don't know. Well, we got one panel with Armin, basically yes. adult Armin hearing kid Aaron say his name, even that was powerful though. Even if he gets just two panels, it would be powerful. I, I don't know. I, I'm excited. This this part of the chapter excites me more than any other because I've been trying to 
think about all the characters he's he needs to have a moment with. How is he gonna have <laughs> You're just he's like, not even human? Yeah, my, you need to wrap this up this year and this is how. Just oh. do it. <laughs> Like, like I've been wanting to have a converse, him to have a conversation with Levi. How's he going to have a conversation with Levi? He can't. Has, Levi's has sick. Levi even said anything since. No. No. Kill right? Zeke. Kill Zeke. Must kill Zeke. <laughs> I mean, you said it. <laughs> I'm just saying, like Historia, he could summon Historia to pass. He could summon Levi to pass. He could summon Reiner to pass. He can have his moment with anybody, and that could be very cool. Like I, otherwise, if they try to talk to him now. He's he's just not accessible. He's he's a stegosaurus thingy with you know head on a stick. I, I don't know. Plus he's asleep, apparently. Yeah, somewhat. I'm excited. We'll see. We'll see. So here's n- next when we have our if we end up with another anniversary podcast of any sorts or a closing <laughs> one. When I get this wrong, go ahead and mark the timestamp because okay, I will. I will. I made yet me. another prediction that's going to get just. <laughs> I'm hoping everyone listening, you know, jots it down, remembers as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At least you're not betting any money on it this time, so that's good. <laughs> yes. All right, next clip. We've also invited our Patreon and also a longtime meta writer on Tumblr, my friend Teton Yeager, to join us to offer their chapter impressions. Teton Yeager, what did you think? I'm anxious to know. <laughs> Wow, so this this chapter like was really heavy. There was a lot in it. And um, the first thing that really jumped out at me, honestly, that I found surprising was how far back Aaron had made the decision that he was going to go through with this genocide of the entire rest of the planet. I honestly thought that he would have still been like teetering on the edge of trying to decide what the correct path, I mean, quote unquote, like correct path would be to go forward at that point. But no, he had already decided well before the the rest of our, our plucky band of heroes arrived on the mainland. He had already made the decision that, no, I'm going to do this. I already know I'm going to do this. So that was like a, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so that was really the the big thing for me in this chapter um and then the the other interesting thing for me as well is um talking about the flashbacks and then we have younger Aaron in the paths and all of that and to me all of that actually read as Aaron basically having a complete mental break and dissociating is how it read to me. I wrote about dissociation in Attack on Titan with Bertolt last year, I think. So it is something that Isayama uses in his characters. And uh, I just really, throughout the whole chapter, you have this huge tension, right? Where, I mean, as much as I love Eren, I do accept that he is now the villain of our story. I have come to accept this. He's not going to be the hero. But he still has, he still has, like Runelai was saying, he still has that desire to save Ramsey from the merchants who are going to punish him for stealing. But he keeps like stopping himself and being like, no, I am a terrible person and I am going to destroy <laughs> this entire planet. Like he's already convinced himself of this. He, he's 
doing this self-fulfilling prophecy like, well, I've already seen it, so I have to go through with it. So he forces himself to go through with it, and as he's going through with it, he's like conscious, rational, well, quote-unquote rational brain just can't, he just can't handle it, and so he just reverts to this childlike place, which is why we now see him in present time in paths represented as child Aaron. So that's my take on what's going on right now, is that he's just like, he literally could not mentally handle it anymore, and is just going back to probably the only place in time that he ever felt more stable you know what i mean because as long Mm -hmm. as we've known aaron we've known him for a very long time now in his life he has constant crap happening to him at every turn but when he was that young like child aaron like that was when he was probably at his most whole i guess i'm I'm not sure that's the best way i want to describe it but that's the concept i'm trying to get across those were kind of the big beats for me in the chapter and of course the adorable Armin and Annie interaction that I absolutely loved and the moment of Armin just grabbing Annie's wrist and saying no sit down (laughs) you're not walking (laughs) away from me we're going to talk now (laughs) I was like yes so I really loved Tietan Yeager's comment especially about how Aaron made this decision four years ago and has not veered from that path and I think of everything in the chapter that's the most difficult for me to accept yeah, so there were times where people were like, okay, maybe he made the decision um, when he went to Marley or um, even before. When Willie when, said, when Willie waged yeah, war. war. Or even before that, when they all went to Marley and he was mm-hmm. at like this UN type of meeting and he walked yep. out, that's when he confirmed it. But this chapter now says, no, no, no. Before that, Aaron already made that decision. So when he kissed his Soria's hand and saw that vision, I think he immediately was like, Okay, this is what I have to do. All the the rest of the world is our enemy and I have to. Or this is what I'm going to do. Because of the scenery. He saw the scenery. Whatever it was appealed to him. And he made the decision then and there that this was an unavoidable future. And in order to reach that, this is what he had to do. Is that how you take it? I Well... It's not so much a decision as he feels like, you know, this is this is what's going to happen. I saw the future like this is already predetermined. I cannot do anything about it. So I'll just follow that path. <sighs> do you do you like, buy like that it, narratively? I mean, no, like no, this is I mean, Mr. That's fight, that's how fight, I think fight. He feels like this is a path and there's no branches. Like, you know, there's not multiple ways leading to Rome. It's just this one little, I don't know, cobblestone path. If Aaron didn't want that, though, he's the person who would fight history or fight future or fight anything. If if this eventuality was not what he wanted, his drive and determination, he would have done anything to stop it. I think it's the outcome that he wants, not necessarily the measures that it takes to get that, mm-hmm. you know, to get there. Something that I feel like kind of vindicated on is, and something I've I've said is that up until this chapter, that Aaron did nothing to pursue peace. And people argued with me about that. They would say, oh, well, he walked out of that meeting because, like you were saying, everybody else is at fault, all of these external factors, Willie declared war, that's that's when Aaron decided. 
And that, that continual repetition of the fact that people felt like Aaron was looking for another way out, and he wasn't. He, he did nothing no, to and pursue that, that peace. Hanji could have come up with another way, but even if, even if they had, had found a good you know, resolution to all of this, he still would have continued with his plan. It wouldn't have mattered. That's how I take it. That's a revelation, this chapter, though, for a lot of people, I think. I'm not quite sure everyone feels that way still about it. No? No. I, I don't know who said it, but there was like somebody who said like, yeah, 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 no, he waited four years to do this. He didn't want to do this, but now he made the decision. No, he, you know, I, I think of all the times that people have tried to, like, I don't want to say blame others, but... It very much has been blame others. Oh, this was Willie's fault for the declaration of war. Oh, this was Mikasa's fault for giving the wrong answer. Oh, this was Armin's fault for not coming up with a plan. You know, oh, this was everybody's fault because blah, blah, blah. And it's, this yeah. is, Aaron, Aaron made this decision. Like, I don't know. It, this, was, this was a revelation to me. True. Yeah. I just keep thinking, Aaron is doing himself no favors. Like, every time I've wanted to like Aaron, he does something stupid like this. Or the narrative <laughs> introduces something, you know, damning. Like, it just gets worse and worse and worse for Aaron. So then the decision is like, well, you know, I thought maybe after he ate the Warhammer Titan, he got something that maybe mm-hmm. strengthened his conviction to go through with it. I don't know. But... Because, like, what also um, Nitaku said, like, between what we saw with, like, um, him crying and um, apologizing to Ramsey, and then we also saw a little bit in Marley that he said, and I, I do think he meant it that he wanted to see, like, Falco live a long, happy life, even though at that point he already knew Falco was probably not going to. <laughs> I I wonder if... if He still had some doubts or he was uneasy about what he was going to do. And then he saw something within the Warhammer uh, memories that made him like, no, this is the only way and I'm doing the right thing and I'm going to go through with this ASAP. I don't know. So you think there's something else coming, maybe? I don't, I, there's, yeah, I feel like there has to be something more because I don't feel like he's dissociating. And I'm, I'm, I know, like, Tidin Jaeger is more of an authority on that than I am. But, yeah, he was sorry, at least at one point, right? And he had some compassion for people on the outside. And now that, that part of him, it almost feels like it doesn't exist, exist anymore. And I don't know if it's still there, but, like, put away somewhere in his mind where he doesn't have to think about it, or if he has truly, completely changed his mind and feels like, yes, no, th- I'm doing this because... I have to, and if this this is the price to pay, then fine, I won't. I can be sad about it, but there's nothing to be done about it. In the bonus information, that the bonus episode, they also talked about War Hammer Titan Power, and if that's the moment, like, are we going to get that moment? So I know you weren't able to be part of, or you weren't able to listen into very much of our second recording session, so you will enjoy that as well, because (laughs) you are not alone in thinking that... Maybe, maybe there's something more. Maybe that connective tissue, there's something more coming. To have it all make sense, there has to be something more to Aaron. Mm-hmm. To, in my opinion, at least. Our next guest is the humble servant. <laughs> yeah, so I missed this uh, 
this part. I, I unfortunately had to work while they were recording. Uh, but Humble later said that he was really disappointed I couldn't make it because he wanted to get into it with me. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm I'm very curious to listen. No, that's what I'm saying. Let's listen now. Okay. So I actually really like this chapter. I would rate it a 10 out of 10 because uh, any chapter with Aaron is a good chapter for me. On the surface level, the chapter probably really hurts to Aaron fans because it, it shows him in this in the most villainous way. But I would actually argue otherwise. I think this chapter was really, really good for a lot of different reasons. Initially, I did not think Aaron would go through with the full rumbling. But uh, the central thesis regarding Aaron fans was correct. Aaron realizes that a full rumbling is the most evil act he could ever be doing right now. And he acknowledges this. I didn't think that Aaron doing the full rumbling would correlate with him wanting to do this. And uh, that was correct. But him following through with this plan was something that was a little difficult to swallow. But yeah, overall, I think this chapter was excellent. And uh, I would give it a 10 out of 10. This chapter was really good, but I don't think the fandom really uh, reacted to the chapter the same way I did. I think a lot of people are missing the point when Aaron says, I was disappointed uh, when I learned that the, there were people outside the walls. This is actually a verifiable information that we can, we can check. So if we go back and read chapters 85 through 90, when Aaron actually learns that there are people outside the walls, in chapter 85, Aaron goes into the basement and learns there are people outside the walls. Chapters like 86 through 88 is Aaron recounting all that had happened and him recounting those memories uh, of his father. And in chapter 90, we see that Aaron is with Armin and all his friends and Flock. Aaron's response to Flock is that we don't know what's, we don't know what the right answer was. Nobody knows the future. And he tells Armin, Hey, despite knowing that there are people outside the walls, he says, Armin, we don't really know what's out there. And then they recount their childhood conversation. What's beyond the walls is the ocean, and what's beyond the ocean is freedom. But at that moment, Aaron knows that there are people outside the walls, and he has a flashback uh, from his father's memories of his uh, aunt being brutally murdered by the dogs. And then he, right before he kisses Historia's hand, he questions himself, what exactly did we find in the basement? It wasn't hope. It wasn't despair. And so, like, Aaron wasn't initially disappointed with the uh, prospect of humans being outside the walls. He was disappointed that there were people outside the walls that wanted to kill him. Because when they recount that conversation again at the ocean, Armin tells Aaron, hey, Aaron, the world is uh, so big. What's beyond the walls is an ocean. But then Aaron stops Armin and says, and what's beyond the ocean is freedom. But that's not the case. What's beyond the ocean are enemies. And so I think Aaron's disappointment is verifiably the fact that there are enemies beyond the walls that want to kill him. And he's not going to be able to achieve that freedom that he wanted uh, as a child. A lot of people would perceive this as like a contradictory. I can understand that perspective, but I think Aaron's fans' central thesis regarding him was correct, that he does care about people and he does want freedom, but he can't stand oppression. And so I think this chapter was really good for Aaron fans because it, it sort of solidifies our perception of him, even though he realizes and we realize that what he's doing is the ultimate evil. So there you go. Humble thoughts. What do you think? I mean, I already kind of discussed how I felt about, you know, what, what it meant, you know, what he said with freedom, like this is freedom and that he was disappointed and what that meant. So 
it doesn't it lines up for a little bit uh with his thoughts but not completely like yeah i don't think that he uh was disappointed that you know it, that there were people that wanted to kill him I, it like i said it's more about the vision he had of freedom that he would never be able to obtain that unless the rest of the world would be destroyed so either it was something that he considered not achievable at the time or something that like I, uh, we saw in this chapter he would feel really bad about if he would continue if he would yeah if he would actually go through with it like we saw him with uh, Ramsey and how he completely broke down in front of him also I didn't notice this while reading the chapter but I completely forgot that uh, Ramsey doesn't speak Aaron's language so I thought the confused look was just about like, what is this strange man like crying in front of me? But it's also because he couldn't understand what he was saying. Yeah. For Ramsey, it was just a crazy man crying. Yeah. yeah I mean, I hear what Humble is saying, but I, I just, I, I would love to know how Humble and, and people that hold that ideology can reconcile this, that no, Aaron doesn't hate people. He only hates his enemies. And yet looking at the scope of what Aaron is doing, like- I just I can't reconcile it. I can't I can't look at it and say, oh, Aaron likes Aaron loves people. He just doesn't love his enemies. That it's the enemies. Like I just how do you? It's incomprehensible to me that Aaron is doing this, and that Isayama depicted it the way he did with Halil and Ramsey's story. Yeah, like he's not making any distinction between people who want to harm the Paradisians and the people who are just quietly living their lives somewhere. You know. The innocent, the children, it, it's all the same to him at this point. Mm-hmm. I, 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 yeah, I don't know what I find more horrific, honestly. The singling out someone base, based on their blood or just indiscriminately killing everyone. I, I mean, they're both horrible, but yeah, <laughs> I don't really know how to go, <laughs> what to say more than that. One thing Humble said was that you can use the word villain, but it's not one that he's necessarily comfortable with. And that is something we asked in the poll. And you're in the Discord with me, so you know, like, I was like surprised Pikachu face at this. I know, I know. It could also be a little bit about the phrasing of the question, but let's uh, let's pull it up. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so the question we asked on the poll, regardless of whether you feel positively or negatively about Aaron... Do you think he's being portrayed as a villain at this point in the story? And um, we had, yes, he's, his portrayal is clearly one of a tragic villain. No, he is portrayed as a hero who makes tough choices. Then we have the, the wild card option. He's not a villain if he's not the one in control. And then the majority with nearly 60% of all choices are, there are no villains or heroes in this manga. <laughs> <laughs> Luna, I cannot. This is the second or third time in my history, my four-year history of the poll, that I have stared at a poll result like completely incredulous, completely incredulous. Like, I understand. Like, what would Isayama have to do? What would he have to do for people to think that Aaron at this point in the story is being portrayed as a villain? What would he have to do? I mean, he already did the worst imaginable thing i think so this i feel like this was the cop-out answer like there are no villains or heroes because there are there are i mean of course 
normally a villain is portrayed as someone who is like intrinsically bad, uh, little to no redeeming qualities, while the hero is the opposite. And this story is more in the uh, more in line with the shades of gray concept. Like we saw Aaron have very good qualities as well, but lately there's he's displaying them at least uh, less. Yeah. But even shades of gray, there's still shades of gray that are almost black, you know? Yeah, yeah. So, like, there, there are, I don't know if there's truly a hero in this story, but we have seen heroic moments. We have pe- pe- seen people be heroic. So then that would, so, yeah, people can also be villainous or villains. And I think at this point in the story, Aaron is definitely, like, he's indiscriminately killing everyone. He's full-on genociding the children, the elderly, the people who never would so much as think of lifting a finger against Spadadis. Did you see all, all the babies that Isayama drew in those panel? How many women, how many people were holding babies? If you think that that is not being a villain. In the podcast server, when I was like surprised Pikachu face at this and being a little bit vocal about it, somebody made, I don't even remember who it was, maybe angry and about how this would be like watching the Marvel Universe and, oh, Thanos is not a villain. He's, there are no heroes or villains. Or like Magneto from X-Men. You know, oh, Magneto's not, I mean, Magneto is exactly what this is. Magneto is a very tragic story, but he's very much the villain. He's very much doing really, really <laughs> bad stuff. Nobody would say that Thanos is not a villain. Nobody would say that Magneto is not portrayed as a villain. But the real talent of Isayama is that he has... Aaron indiscriminately killing babies and 60% of our fandom. Well, there are no heroes or villains in this manga. (sighs) Yeah. I mean, okay, the second option with like a third of the fandom was like, yes, his portrayal is clearly one of a tragic villain. So I don't know if I agree with like a tragic villain at this point. We put that to try to sway people. Like, we thought, okay, (laughs) if we put an adjective in front of it, like tragic, then they'll choose it. But no, no, there are no heroes or villains in this manga. Yeah, I think this is like for the people who are saying like, oh, like Aaron is like, like I said, their concept of a villain is someone who has very little to no redeeming qualities, which Aaron doesn't fit that description or is people who have trouble still reconciling that their favorite character has turned into this like someone who they could resonate with recognize themselves in to label that person as a villain would also you know reflect badly on them perhaps like it's i don't know if that's part of it but i can understand if that's part of it that's also well why i think aluola in the discord did yeah. try to make that point to me and, and i do absolutely get that like it would be very hard for me to label Irwin a villain after loving a character for so long or mikasa or anybody hanji i wouldn't i would it would take so much for me to label any of them a villain so i do get it i do get it and I think you've mentioned before that people vote with their heart, not with their heads when it comes to stuff like this. So I get it. I get it. But still. Put it on a low simmer, the heat, you know, the anger. Like, don't, don't pull it up to full, <laughs> to full blast. <laughs> I, I need to, yeah. Well, and then other people have brought up like the Walter White comparison. And um, some people have brought up the light Yagami one. The light 
Yagami one does not stick with me. And that I don't think is a fair comparison. Remind me how he would be, or how people say he's uh, similar to Light Yagami? You know, that Light was presented as kind of a good guy who becomes an evil guy and who, you know, Mm. dies maniacally evil, blah, 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 you know, like a real villain origin story, I guess. I'm not a big fan of Death Note, but that's also because I think Light is not a very well-written character, but also the story is really bad. And I remember the author makes it want to seem like the Death Note corrupted Light, that this was not something that was inherently how he is. And I felt like, no, this, you know, this dude was bored and wanted to play with people's lives. And if anything, the Death Note just strengthened, you know, this, these views, these inner desires but it's not like that wasn't part of him to begin with well and i think that's true of aaron you can say you know well there were there was always a part of him that was like this and aaron has made that comment but i think the difference for me is that from from the very first episode of death note you knew let yagami was going to go this you knew this guy was going to like march headlong into crazy town and never come back whereas with aaron I don't think that's the case. I think for 91 chapters, there might have been little flashes of warning signs about, you know, Aaron being flawed or having serious flaws, but never to a light Yagami degree. It's always see just as many of his good qualities. And so for him to be going full on Thanos now, it's a surprise. Thanos only killed half the people. Mm, True. (laughs) (laughs) Going full on plus more Thanos. Thanos extra. How about that? Oh, worse than death. <laughs> I really love on that. We had, he's not the villain if he's not the person in control. Wink. Yeah. Um, 69 people selected that one. Which, okay. I think there's, you know, good for those 69. But the reason I added that was specifically for our next guest, Saflora. Okay, so first of all, just general thoughts. Uh, Isayama murdered me in cold blood. It hurt so much. I liked it, but I don't really do chapter ratings because I don't have criteria, you know. But I'm going to give it like a tentative 8.5 or 9 out of 10, (laughs) subject to change when we see how everything comes together in the end. But overall... Like, yes, it hurt like hell. And I was literally shaking when I was reading it. Like I had a very physical reaction to it. But I think on reflection, yeah, I liked it. So just some thoughts I had Um, while I was reading. This is just kind of what I was thinking. Immediately thought of chapters 13 and 14, when Aaron is in his child state, stuck in an illusion in his Titan body and Armin busts him out. So that's one thing that I think might speak against the idea that Aaron has converted to his child self. Um, It seems like that might be some kind of Titan property. I don't know, just because we've seen it before. It's happened to him before, and he wasn't putting himself in that state at that time. So even though that's a possibility that this is something that he's doing, like a self-protection or whatever, um, I don't think that's 100% clear. Um, There's definitely more to Amir. I can't wait to find out what that is. Yeah, I don't think anyone's mentioned the wild Amir so far. Nobody? Oh, man. I was like jumping off the ground when I saw that panel. Right. You were our guest last month, and you have a lot pinning on what Amir is or isn't doing in this. (laughs) 
Yeah. I don't know if I have a lot planning on it, but yeah, I was really excited to see her. I think that there's a lot more there to be explored. And I think this was proof of that, just having that little taste of that mysterious little uh, Emir sighting. Let's see what else. Okay, the very last page, Aaron's head and the spine, his eyes are closed and everything. The words overlying that, that Armin speaks. I read that as Isayama speaking to the readers, you know, that I want to believe there's something more that we don't know. I, I don't know if that's him telling us that there is still more about this world that we don't know yet, that will be revealed, that might change how we view everything that's going on, or whether he's saying that we have the same false hope that Aaron and Armin did for what was beyond the walls. I don't know, either way, but I, I kind of read it as a message that way. Okay, let's see, another thought. I'm not gonna be satisfied until I am shown the process <laughs> or the moment of transformation from the tearful, apologetic Aaron that we see in that scene with Ramsey and the cold, like scary, vacant-eyed guy that we see. Like, there's something else that happened there. The only thing we've seen from that time period in chapter 130. And I, I just, it's too important to leave that up to the readers to fill in the blanks, you know? Like, we're getting Aaron's first person for the first time in forever, but they're not his real time thoughts. They're his first person thoughts from when he first comes to Marley. We haven't gotten his first person perspective since then. And I want to see that. That's something that Nitaku mentioned as well. Like, how do we go from crying, holding Ramsey to I'm going to kill all the animals from last chapter? Like, right. he felt like there was still definitely something that some connective tissue between, between Aaron that we have not seen yet. Yeah, I agree. I think so, too. So, I, yeah, I just want to see more there. I think it's necessary. Let's see what else. Oh, okay. So I was reminded of the last chapter when Aaron offered to alter Historia's mind if the pain is too much to bear. And I think that's somehow related to what's going on here. Like, is that what Aaron is doing to himself? Or is it something that someone else is doing to him or for him? Like easing the pain? I don't know. But I, yeah, that's just kind of what I thought. Also, flowers and birds, again, what does it mean? Yes. Yeah, that seagull, man. What is the seagull? That was a lot to unpack. So Luna, what about those seagulls, huh? <laughs> what about them? Yeah, no, like, of course, there's always been a lot of bird imagery, but this is the first chapter where those birds were like, felt like they were interacting with people. I'm going to put you on the spot here. What do you think about the bird motif? We asked it in the poll. How did you answer the question? Oh, I don't know how I answered it. <laughs> Let me quickly look at the, the options we had. Like, But I remember the, the ask we got from um, someone on Twitter. I don't remember who it was, but like if we thought that Aaron was Odin because of all the birds. Uh -huh. And um, well, we did see like the seagull, which was not Odin's bird, but then we did saw ravens or crows, we don't really know. And I asked our bird expert, Renan, what they were, and he was like, well, they're basically the same, so. <laughs> same family, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, it, it does seem like, I don't know if it's Aaron, but it does seem like there is some sort of entity watching what's going on. I don't know if they have the power to interact with the world or, like all they can do is kind of like watch, perhaps influence Eldians. Watch and report or watch yeah. and influence? I Something like that. But 
they're not like directly existing. Let me put it like that in this world. LSJ has told us in the Discord that the Japanese fandom is all over this. Like the yeah. bird theories are alive and well <laughs> in Japan. Yeah, that was all they were talking about. And in the poll, it's almost a three-way split. Like almost three perfectly even 27% parts where we asked people what it meant. And one-third says it's Aaron using the birds. One-third said it's Emir using the birds. And then one-third said nothing, it's just a motif. So yes, I'm putting you on the spot now because I have gotten way too much stuff wrong in comparison. <laughs> what is up with the bird motif? I think I went uh, for the cop-out answer, by the way, when I answered the poll. You can't go out the cop-out answer now. <laughs> you have to answer it for real. Okay. For what, what is up worth, with the birds? I don't think it's Aaron using them, and I also don't think it's Emir. I, I know uh, when uh, we had Sephora on last chapter, she was like, oh, I think Emir might be involved, you know, more than we think. And she might be pulling some strings here and there. I don't think she is at the moment, but she might in the future. I don't think the birds are necessarily hers. They could be, but I don't. Th I think she's the fact that we saw her there when Namzi died makes me think like she wants to view what's going on like in person i don't think she would watch through the birds so like i said i think there is something to it i don't think it's erin or emir i think it's something else we haven't fully okay. seen yet then again is it also kind of late in the story to introduce this whole new entity or person or being or whatever so i don't know how i feel about it okay so you're not you're not going to offer a theory you think it's something, though. You don't think it's just a motif. I don't think it's just a motif. I do think it's something. I do think someone is watching through the birds. Yes. Who or what? Okay. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm on the fence on that one. I don't think it's Aaron. Emir could be, but I think is unlikely. And I think it's something else. Then again, that something else hasn't been introduced yet in the manga. So, and with like four or five chapters left to go, Maybe it would feel cheap if Isayama went that route. But I don't know. What do, what do you think? What, what was your... I'm punting on this. I have no idea. There were enough other points in this chapter that blew my mind that I'm willing just to take <laughs> the little birds and like put them in a little box and forget that they even happened in the chapter. And just when it happens, it happens. But yeah. I mean, we kind of laughed at the bird theories early on, but I'm not laughing at them anymore. Well, we'll see if there's some sort of all-father watching... The other um, moment, of course, was Ramsey seeing the apparition of Ymir. And that's another, I mean, there was so much, this chapter was so good. Have I, I don't think we've given our chapter impressions yet. We haven't. Have we? No, 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 no. I, was like, <laughs> I thought we were going to do that at the end together. <laughs> okay, we'll do it at the end. So let me just stop now because we have one more to get through. Yes. But I, I'm curious about the apparition of Ymir that Ramsey saw. Hmm. I mean, what what's your theory? What do you think? Uh, that she's watching it all go down and is thinking, oh, Lord, what have I done? And she's going to intervene. I'm kind of in agreement. Wow, look at us on the same page. Wow. <laughs> Luna, if we go down, we go down together. <laughs> at least we've got one thing in common. <laughs> we could put on our clown makeup together if we get this wrong. <laughs> yes. Yes. So how did the rest of the fandom uh, interpret her uh, apparition of sorts? Let's look and see. 
All right, so we did ask in the poll, what does this mean? And so far, the dominant response is what in the name of Evangelion is going on here? (laughs) (laughs) That's the one I chose as well, I think, when uh, when I answered. I don't know what the other options are. Was that Cloudy's contribution? Because that was brilliant. (laughs) So the next high is 32%. She's just neutrally observing. You and I are in 16% that watching children die is making Emir uncertain about her choice. I see. I don't know if it's... I didn't choose that one when I took the poll because I was like, well, it's not necessarily Ramsey or children. I think it's... It's just the the thing, the whole of it. Yeah. That's what I think. But it could be. It could be because... I mean, she has seen her fair share of tragedy over the years, but... She was a mother, so... And then the other options are, let's see, (laughs) she's enjoying (laughs) seeing it all go down. 182 people picked that. Yeah, 10% of the fandom. And then... um, And, oh, yeah, the the, the least chosen option was that um, she appears to everyone who dies by a titan. We've just never seen it before. Which, hey, I wrote that one. <laughs> you did? I Yeah, that, I mean, that was Mike. I felt like we needed one more option there. I feel like yeah. there are people who believe that. Well, apparently 148 of them, so. Yeah, so. But it seems the least likely, least likely out of all yes. of them. Yeah, I wasn't expecting it to be a popular option. I just felt like if we we're including all these other <laughs> ones, we need to include that one as well. That, you know, she has that ability at least. Too. I mean, she did appear to Zeke. Of course, that was in paths, but, you know, and of course he was Eldian, so. Okay, we have one more clip that was submitted to us from our friend Heidi. Um, Heidi is better known as, or was for since 2013, as Erin Jaegerbombs on Tumblr. She's since changed her username to, is it Acker Jaegers? Um, she is on Twitter, yeah. Okay, I think she's changed Tumblr as well. And like I said, somebody in the fandom since 2013, lots of love for Aaron, runs the big Aaron Discord. Uh, she was also very active on the poll, does the anime poll, and one of the gift makers. So if you want to listen to Heidi's podcast, she was our guest on the, was it 114, Luna? Yeah. I should have looked yeah. this no, up. No, it's 114. You're right. Okay. She and Cash were guests on the 114 podcast when we had the poll team together. So if you'd like to hear more from... From Heidi, that's the place to do it. But let's go ahead and listen to her clip now. Hey guys, how's it going? I hope you've been well. Uh, Thanks so much for having me back on to relay my thoughts about chapter 131. Mom Taku asked if I could give my impressions of the chapter as well as a rating. Um, I am going to try to keep this brief. I don't have a whole lot of time and I don't want to take up a whole lot of your time. Um, I would give the chapter a five. People are talking. I'm seeing lots of analysis, lots of just fandom activity creatives doing their thing. Um, So people definitely got something out of this chapter. Um, In my opinion, that means that Isayama did a very good job, either portraying what he meant to portray or just, you know, even if it's just shocking the audience, which... I was definitely shocked. (laughs) Um, But yeah, there's a lot to unpack in this chapter. It's very heavy. Um, With Aaron kind of dissociating, um, you know, we can see that he has this guilt and remorse over what he believes he has no, you know, he has to do. Um, I think he wanted to avoid 
this outcome. I think he waited four years to see if an alternative was going to show up, that he wasn't going to be the one to actually commit this atrocity. Uh, I think that in the end, he succumbed to what he believed is a predetermined fate, that he has no choice. This is what he has to do. It's the only option if he wants to ever feel free, if he wants Paradis to be free, all of that. Um, it's very dark and twisted, and this is clearly why he's dissociating, because I don't believe at his core he is a horrible person. So I'm curious where Sam is going to go with that as far as Aaron's headspace is concerned. I do like how it tied into, you know, Aaron kind of going back to a childlike state to kind of show how he's trying to separate himself from what he is doing in a twisted, dark way. But I like when he turned back, you know, asking, hey, Armin, this is the site, right? And he sees Armin as an adult in the paths with Armin kind of having this concern about him. And I think Armin really was there with Aaron in that headspace for a second. So the chapter ended up giving me a bit of hope at the end, actually. Um, My initial impression of it was kind of negative, uh, anybody you ask who talked to me the day that the first translation came out, I was being a little down about it because, you know, as an Aaron fan, I didn't want it to come to this. I wanted to believe he's better than that. There was some kind of alternative. Um, you know, <laughs> the rumbling was just a, hey, fake out. It's not actually going to happen. But, you know, narratively, that wouldn't have made sense. So I've come to peace with it. Aaron is still an interesting character. He doesn't have to be wholly good for him to be a good character. Um, I truly believe in, you know, villains being good characters, too. As long as it's well-written and makes sense, I'm good. Um, But the chapter did give me some hope, because at the end, we have um, Armin and Annie having their adorable conversation, but it does involve the acknowledgement that Armin does want to reach out to Aaron and see if he can, you know reason with him. And I do believe that the end where we had Armin kind of talking about um, how he wants to believe that there is still something out there in the world for them to see together. Um, And you see that over Aaron's unconscious, like, snake body face thing going on, um, that it is a callback to moments like in Trost and in Return to Shiganshina arc, where Armin was the one to pull Aaron out of an unconscious dreamlike state and get him back into reality to acknowledge that, hey, there's a problem and we need to fix it. And you're the one who has to fix it. Aaron is the only person who is going to be able to stop the rumbling. And in order to make him do that, he has to be reasoned with. It has to be verbal. If he gets killed, what is, we don't know what that's going to do. Is he, you know, if he gets killed, what's going to stop the Titans from continuing to flatten the earth? It solves nothing. So I do believe that a verbal confrontation, Armin pulling Aaron back out of reality, convincing Aaron to stop the rumbling and whatever has to happen after that to hopefully just eliminate the entire concept of Titans as, as a physical entity. Um, is what the story is culminating to. Now, I've been wrong pretty much every time, so I'm not going to bank on that, but it did give me a sense of hope that even if Aaron cannot be redeemed, he can still have a sense of reconciliation by the end. Um, he can still have a moment with his friends where we can acknowledge that, yes, maybe he is a monster, but he's still loved, and there's still beauty, and, you know, all of that fun thematic stuff that's been peppered in throughout the entire series. So, 
Overall chapter impressions, definitely a five star. It left a huge impression on me. I'm really, really looking forward to seeing where Sayama is going with this. I do believe we are going to have a uh, satisfactory conclusion to the story. Um, I am getting a little antsy for it to end because all the waiting to see how it resolves itself has been agonizing. (laughs) But um, yeah, that's my overall thoughts of the chapter. So I just want to say thanks again for having me back on. I'm really looking forward to listening to this podcast, hearing what you guys think about the chapter and hearing what everybody else you bring on has to say about the chapter. So thanks again. It's been really nice. Um, Can't wait to listen later. Bye. Heidi, thank you so much for sharing your comments with us and joining us for our anniversary episode and for all the contributions you've given to the fandom for the last eight years, I guess. Did you have any comments, Luna, about Heidi's thoughts? I I already got them like on the day um, the leaks came out because I was like, ooh, I wonder what they say in the Aaron server. (gasps) You're still in the Aaron server? I'm not. I'm not. That's why I asked her. I was like, "How how are people reacting? And she was like, well, there's not enough conversation about it at this point because this was before the fanlation came out but she was mm. she was not in a good mood as she mentioned <laughs> so uh to see her rated a five out of five uh, yeah surprised me a bit but i guess she came around she's far more hopeful than i thought she would be at this point i i think she and humble were the two most optimistic of everybody who we had submit their chapter thoughts yeah, because she never really wanted this to happen. I remember, like, even unleashing the Wall Titans, she didn't expect that to happen. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. She's very hopeful. I uh, I am less hopeful of a, of a good ending for Eren. I used to be hopeful. I know. I know. We'll get into that later. <laughs> so Heidi um, is keeping hope in Eren. And I wonder how the rest of the fandom feels after this chapter about him. So we asked, how did this chapter affect your views on Eren? And let's see, we had, I think, four, no, three options or four. The bottom line is nothing changes. Nothing. The only person who I think of everyone we've listened to who's changed is Polka. Polka said that, you know, his attitude about Eren changed after the wall. Yeah, that's that's when the wall titans were released. But I think about when the rumbling, like people may have changed the, their mind about the rumbling, but not necessarily about Aaron. That's how I right. feel. Yeah. So I think people still feel the same way about Aaron. If you were in favor of him before this chapter, you still are. If you were, or f- yeah, not in favor of what he's doing, but favorable. Like you feel him favorably, you enjoy him, you like his character. That you still do. Okay. But on the results of this. Okay, go ahead. How did this chapter affect your view on Aaron? Yeah. We we said, I did support him, but I don't. I still support him. Nothing's changed. Mm-hmm. I didn't support him, but now I do. And I never supported him. But we also gave the I have no opinion, which I find, okay, that's the cop-out answer. I would say everybody has an opinion on Aaron. But 20% of people chose not to say how this chapter changed them, which I think is kind of telling. Well, so, why did we include the, that cop-out answer anyway? Because we're nice and we always include a cop-out answer. Not always, but... Uh. But for 20%, for one-fourth of the fandom to say, I have no opinion, I find that a little suspicious. True, true. But the largest number, that 40%, 
I still support him. Nothing changed. I wish I'd done my homework because I feel like if you look back at those very early Marley arc chapters, especially when people were thinking that Zeke was controlling Aaron or that the attack titan was controlling, you know, the number of people who truly supported Aaron at that time was 70%. So the fact that it's at 40 now is kind of shocking. It is. But I think that number is, if you add up the 40% that still support him and the 20% that say they have no opinion, that's probably that 70% right there. (laughs) That's like, no, 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 I still like him, but I can't reconcile what he did, but I still like him, but, uh, right. uh, Okay, Uh, let's go with no opinion. (laughs) I have no opinion. Yeah, I I think that's what it is. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And I guess like, if you look at the next question we asked, it's like, what best describes your thoughts about Aaron this chapter? Um, almost equal percentage of people that support him say, um, I feel for him. He's in a tough uh, position. And then my heart aches for him. So those two numbers together, the two people, the two groups, we wanted one to be a little more emotional than the other because this chapter broke a lot of hearts. But once people were reviewing it, they felt like that option, my heart aches for him, was just too emotional. So we added in the, he's in a tough position, you know, like, okay, but those numbers together are really high. That's, you know, 65% of the fandom right there. And the other extremes, people who've, who hate him versus think that he's the greatest of all time, those numbers are almost tied at 15%. So we have a really nice bell curve there. I guess that's a bell curve, right? I mean, I would have, to, yeah, I would have to look at it, but probably. <laughs> yeah, it makes sense. It's, it's about yeah. what I would expect from the results on this. I picked the, I feel for him, he's in a tough position. But I did want to pick that his self-pity does nothing for me because <laughs> looking at the looking at the imagery, this chapter that was my first was just this is the worst thing I have ever seen. I hate him. But you know, give me two or three days and show me pictures of cute Aaron and I'm back to is this really happening? <laughs> I don't know. This stupid manga. So before we go to our break, uh, I don't think we gave our in chapter impressions. Oh, that's right. So do you want to do the same, like, uh, quick thoughts on the chapter and also rate it, like, uh, on the scale of 1 to 10? Sure. So I loved this chapter. I hated everything about it. I hated everything that happened. Mm -hmm. But amazing, amazing, amazing. I am a 9 out of 10. I just thought this just so brilliantly done, so beautifully done. And so completely visceral in my reaction to it. So whatever Isayama was trying to do, he did it. He absolutely nailed it. What about you? I think it was good that we finally got Aaron's thoughts. Like I remember saying, um, like Aaron was an 11 out of 10 for me this chapter. So to which uh, Leslie replied, if there was a Jaegerist holding a gun to my head. (laughs) (laughs) But I, I enjoyed that part of the chapter. Other than that, this kind of played out as far as the rumbling goes as as much as I expected it to. So I think I always saw the horror of it. So I don't think this chapter left a great of an impression on me as it did on others. That being said, I do like the, the reaction the fandom as a whole had to this chapter. I think I enjoyed that mm-hmm. more than the actual chapter itself. So yeah, for me, it was like I gave it a, a four out of five or I don't know, a seven or 0.5 out of 10. It's a good chapter. It's pretty good. Yeah. I know I could really relate to the, was it uh, Andrew Allstars? I watched a little bit of his reaction and as, as Ramsey and Halil 
are running, you know, he's alternating between saying, you know, Aaron, save them. And no, Aaron, don't. And, you know, that was the really, I kind of the reaction a lot of us had, because from a storytelling perspective, I didn't want them saved either. Like, you know, I did, but I didn't. Like, I, I wanted the message to be crystal clear and unequivocal that what Aaron was doing was horrendous, that this was unjustified. And if he had swooped in at that last minute and saved those kids, it would have muddied the message. And this message is crystal clear. And I'm very grateful for that. Yeah. And in terms of storytelling perspective, it makes sense. But oh, seeing the reactions, like, mm. Yes. <laughs> Mwah, beauty. Loved it. So. All right. So break time. And when we come back? When we come back, we are going to listen to all the dumb things we said in our first year of this podcast <laughs> and how well it aged and um, like milk. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back. Welcome back. So as uh, Momtaku mentioned earlier, I've been listening back to all of our, well, not all of our, half of our previous podcasts, namely 107 up to 119. And Momtaku also listened to some of them. And we were kind of looking for uh, the most funny moments, the most interesting moments, things we got right, things we got wrong. I'm not sure if we quite often got things right, but we did get a lot of it wrong. <laughs> You keep saying we as though it wasn't just me, <laughs> Luna. I told uh, Mom Taku this before we started recording this podcast, but, you know, she talks a lot. And so her chances of saying nonsense are a lot higher than mine. <laughs> so <laughs> it backfired on her finally. <laughs> <laughs> what what was the cringiest thing that you read? From, you know, because I typed everything out from every podcast, like all the all the crazy things that were said. What was your favorite? Okay, so my okay, I'm gonna say two things. My cringiest was that I was so certain that Porco would meet Historia from the 107. <laughs> that I definitely like am cringing over. The other overarching thing from all of the episodes is how many times you dinged me for my Aaron optimism. And I think we have one of those clips, but how many times I was like, oh, this is fun because he's gonna be the hero. Look at how cool this, you know, I yeah, like uh, and and I'm still uh, part of me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I have never been an Aaron optimist. I don't even like him, but I've always wanted him to be a hero. And I think the other thing that's a little bit embarrassing is my Zeke hatred, like constant, constant. Zeke it was hatred. it was pretty. Yeah. It, yeah, I can understand why people had some issues with that. <laughs> So. I was honest about it. Like, you know, I, I knew I was being unreasonable. I never pretended otherwise. That's true. That's true. But like, you were really like, everything that ever went wrong ever was Zeke's fault. <laughs> <laughs> My air conditioning broke. It's Zeke's fault. <laughs> exactly. What about you? Mm, I think my favorite part of listening back to it was just realizing how good 
the podcast was from the beginning. I mean, conversationally wise, I really didn't expect it to be. So it's like, oh, it's not complete until oh, the cringe. Oh, oh. But uh, yeah, my mic quality was pretty bad. I remember uh, our first two guests were Rena and LSJ. They didn't have great mics either. It, it was pretty tough on that part to listen back to it. Also, like, I don't know if it was the editing, like in post or um, his mic, but Renan had some really weird, heavy breathing noises. That- <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's the noise cancellation that does that. Like, I think what happens is we run a noise cancellation, then we try to boost it. And since then, I go through and manually edit out breath sounds. Yeah. Yeah, which I feel like I should have done because I think I edited a podcast, but like, we were still like learning how to. Yeah. I had had a little bit of production experience, radio and television production, so a little bit, but nothing to prepare me for this. And I still really struggle. Like I would, I, if we were going to continue this, I'd almost want to take some courses and how to improve audio quality. And it would be worth my time to actually figure out what I'm doing. And yeah, I'm glad that you didn't find the episodes cringy though, because I know sometimes I'll go back and listen to them and I always enjoy them. And I, I think it's okay to say that. Like I it's because I think because we always do have a variety of people and these people are mostly my friends or I would say maybe all of them are my friends. It's like I get to hang out, spend 2 hours listening to my friends laughing, you know? So, I enjoy them. That's true. That's true. But before we get into the real good juicy parts of this podcast, we thought it would be fun to have a uh, look back at last year's anniversary podcast because uh, we got a couple of questions from you guys. And we thought, well, let's use those same questions and see if our answers have changed or not. I'm going to ask it anyway, even though I said I wouldn't. But Humble sent in <laughs> a question about asking us what our favorite and least favorite uh, podcasts were and guests. I'm just going to say, like, let's let's just edit that question a bit and say what our favorite moments were this past year. Oh, that's hard. I'm not I'm not prepared. OK, then I'll go first. Okay. Yes. So one of my favorite guests this year was Saflora because I had never heard about her. I'd never seen her post anything. And when she came on, she was just phenomenal. She was great. I was like, oh, wow. So. That was, you know, something unexpected, but really good. So I really enjoyed, I mean, we don't agree at all, but I really enjoyed her theories, how she came up with them, how she explained them. Um, Yeah, for me, the podcast we did with Saflora was a really nice one. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, that was with Saflora and Kingsgrave. That was, okay, I'm with you on that. I think something about the way she expresses herself is just so lovely to listen to. True. And 129, Grimheim, I was not expecting Grim. Like, I don't know what I was expecting because she's somebody I've known of for a long time, but we'd never spoken. And she was adorable. And like, just to have a whole episode just to like shatter love. I mean, that was pretty awesome. Yeah. I also like the way she reacted to like, Pikuhan, like, oh, so cute. (laughs) (laughs) Never forget that either. (laughs) I thought episode 127, I listened back to that one recently, Petter and Coffee. That one was a lot of fun. I don't know, putting different people together. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. That's one where it just really worked. Petter's so easygoing. Coffee is so excited all the time, even at 3 a.m. I know. Like, Coffee can always put a smile on my face. I don't know how she does it. 126 with Leslie. We just threw up our hands in that one. I remember we were like, we're not even going to bother with timestamps. Not even (laughs) timestamps. Forget it. Just let Leslie talk for two hours. 
That's basically what it that was. One was, one long, it was like manifesto read out loud. <laughs> that was, um, yeah. yeah. That was an interesting <laughs> podcast, but I do say I do appreciate having his thoughts, at least in our server and also this, the recording he did for us this chapter. It's just, yeah, it's been good fun having He's him. He's a very unique voice. True. True. It's, he brings a different perspective, I think, also based on his own life experiences. So it's been a lot of fun, though. Have we had any other guests that we didn't have on in our first year? I'm trying to recall. I feel like a very bad host. Uh, we had Stiller. Oh, Stiller, right. Yes, yes. In fact, as we were getting ready for this one, I, sh- I should have pinged Stiller about doing a chapter reaction because was he, and I know he's a huge Annie fan, he but is. was he an Annie shipper as well? If he was, this was quite the payoff. Mm. Yeah, we had to have Stiller for 125. There was just no way we could not yeah, have Stiller true. for that chapter. He's another, I mean, just somebody who I remember from my early days, you know? Yeah, yeah. I I, I think I missed him like when he was really active, but of course uh, he was notorious i guess on reddit so <laughs> yeah that would be the word that would be the word so and let's see who else oh yeah okay so i feel really bad because i've never really talked to her like i mean we've messaged um each other on uh, discord but i've never really talked talked to her which is uh Erechan, who yeah fell in for us uh, along with reiku and puppet when we were partying it up in new york and california so yeah <laughs> which thank you Thank you once again. <laughs> and let me just mention here, like Reiku, Soul, several of our guests, we they had said they would do a chapter impression. We have not gotten those yet at this recording time. So if if they might end up getting tacked onto the end or maybe part of that bonus episode, but um, you know, Reiku is still around, still reading the series, and I, I really appreciate her doing that chapter one twenty two for us. Yeah. We were in New York, and I remember. I was where what we were in H and M on Times Square because you needed new shoes. No, it was pouring the rain. It it was raining, and I think it wasn't me. I think it was your daughter who needed new shoes. Oh, that's right. She needed shoes because yeah. her shoes had gotten soaked. We were done shopping, but you were still looking around, and I was sitting by the glass doors, mm-hmm. rage listening, rage listening to Andrew All Stars <laughs> as they were discussing Emir. I was so angry at some of the comments that people were making. So even though we were not there, I was still like in spirit, on mute, listening. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I remember now because that's where I bought um, my stretchy pants at H&M, which I'm very, (laughs) very glad for now that we're in quarantine. Because, yeah, let's just say that they were nice and big and comfy and they're not anymore and we'll leave it at that. But it was a, a fun podcast. I remember listening back to it when I got home and thanking Erichan on her on my bare knees for being there and you know countering everything Reiko and Papa. <laughs> oh. So yeah, I uh, I'm I'm curious about Reiko's opinions on this chapter. I hope we uh, we get an, a recording from her as well. I hope so too. Hard to believe that's been almost a whole year now. True, eleven months. True, and then the other guest that we had for the first time was Akai Kitsu from the mm-hmm. SCNK. I hope I did yeah. it right this time. <laughs> the colored manga. So yeah, it was also nice to kind of uh, get a perspective from someone who was creating content uh, in another side of the fandom. She was really sweet too. 
Yeah, I follow her on all the various social medias now, and I always smile whenever she puts through yeah. new art. That, I, I, love, I love the podcast. I love being in a position where we get to invite people we're curious about and spend mm-hmm. a, a couple hours with them and, you know. Yeah. And and I mean, wh- okay, which shirtless Erin was better, the one we got in the trailer or her? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely hers. See? <laughs> nipples. That's what was missing. We had nipples yep. in hers. <laughs> there are so many times that the SCNK has colored a scene, and I think it looks better than the mangas or the anime. Yeah. So I think it looks better than the anime. They do good work. They do. And oh, okay. So my favorite podcasts were probably the outtakes from our super anniversary podcast last year. Mm-hmm. Those were super funny. Like, I'll. <laughs> I keep laughing at those, but also uh, listening back to like our, well, summary, I guess, of our vacation together in cha- after the chapter 123 discussion. That always puts a smile on my face when I re-listen to that. You had mentioned that and I went back and listened to it too. And I, it made me want to cry. Like it was a different world back then. It was, it was, it was I still can't believe we got to do that. Mm. Yeah. 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 Maybe, maybe next year. <laughs> <laughs> maybe oh i think it's it was nice to reminisce a little bit it's been a good year all things considered for the podcast for the, not yeah, for real life yeah. but <laughs> podcast wise it's been good <laughs> yeah um let's see and then another question that we got although i don't know did, was it anonymous who asked it i think it was anonymous okay so it was what's your favorite crack theory or head canon and i remember you saying that emir freckled emir is still alive, and that Historia isn't pregnant. Those were your two. Okay, and I am, I I think, if I can correct you, it was that Freckled Ymir isn't over and Historia isn't pregnant. I still am firmly in this camp that Historia is not actually pregnant and that we're going to get another moment with Freckled Ymir. So those, whether you want to consider those crack theories or headcanons, I am I still mean, on that. Was I hoping for that we were getting something more with Emir? Yes. But I feel like her story, her arc, at least uh, to me, is over. Like Her story is not over till Historia's story uh, is over. That's kind of how I see it. Okay. Okay. And mine at the time was already like, Colt H. Zeekin is still alive, but <laughs> who knows? Did you legitimately believe that was a possibility? No, no, but... Okay. <laughs> uh, listen, we haven't seen Zeke in eons. So, you know, no, we haven't. It might be. So, it might be. <laughs> um, so, I genuinely think Historia isn't pregnant, and you, you're crack, you're definitely crack theory that yeah, it's definitely you can crack, still have a lot yeah. of hope for cold. Got it. And I don't, did you know that Raina and I have a wager about Historia's pregnancy? No, no, what's the wager? Yes. So, it's been, I would say we did it six months ago, but I keep a screenshot of it. So, basically, if Historia isn't pregnant, if I am correct, mm-hmm. he has to photograph himself wearing a t-shirt of my own design in public. And that t-shirt will either be something really gay with Erwin and Levi, or it will be something like, you know, some really like pro-Levi, like, you know, the walls were to keep Levi away from the Titans, you know, just some like, just really dumb SNK merchandise. If I lose this wager, then Renan's going to make me do the same, wear a t-shirt in public, 
and he hasn't decided yet between Aaron Yeager did nothing wrong or the face of Flock holding his finger up with some kind of like pro-Flock statement. So anyway, that's kind of fun. I don't know who I want to win now. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, the original stakes were going to be if I won, he wanted me to come to Brazil and kill him, which I'm like, dude, let's come up with some better stakes because I might win this one. So taking a picture of yourself wearing an embarrassing shirt in public was perfect. <laughs> okay, good. So we're still holding on to our crack theories and headcanons from No changes right? there. Yeah. Have we no come changes. up with any new ones since then? Nope, I don't think so. I don't think so either. I haven't had a lot of surprises. Like, I don't think, no. yeah. I mean, the stories. I mean, there were people who thought that Aaron wasn't going to rumble the world, so. True. That, that's how, that was a crack theory to me. So. We had the big rock controversy. Did Gene pocket oh, the rocks? right, yeah. <laughs> I, listen, I still feel, oh, or Aaron's pants and shoes. Aaron's pants, uh, yeah. mm-hmm. Because Isayama didn't have time to draw anything, so you forgot that Aaron wasn't supposed to have pants or shoes. <laughs> Going back through the podcast that I listened to, like I listened to the one where we debated what Aaron meant when he said, I don't trust that woman. Like that was such a huge debate uh -huh, and it was right. all over the fandom and it ended up being nothing. So Yeah, it wasn't important are, at all. There are those. Yeah. Right. But nothing nothing overarching like his story is pregnancy and Ymir isn't dead. Those no. those are my those are in my heart. I, I mean, I was hoping that Cold would be alive, but considering how little attention even Falco <laughs> paid to his death, I'm like, ugh. Mm -hmm. But, you know, holding out hope because I'd like to get some Cold merchandise because he's the only one who hadn't from the people who were still alive when the final manga exhibit. Yeah. Came, so who knows? Who knows? And then we have a question from Kingsgrave. Or uh, and that was, do you have any plans for podcasts after Attack on Titans manga and anime are over? And I think what we said last time was not really. Yeah, and I don't know, do we? I don't think we've discussed it. We've talked about it. Talked about it. Yeah, we've discussed a few options, but there's nothing concrete. No. So we'll definitely continue until the manga ends. And I think we wanted to do like maybe a retrospective or. Right. I mean, I could see us keeping going through the, through the anime as well, if the anime... If the anime ends, yeah, probably would end... If they don't do a split core, it might end around the same time or like one or two months later, I'm guessing. So that would be fine with me as well to keep it at least up until the anime ends. And then it's kind of like, what do we do from there on out? Do we do another show or... I was thinking, I I'm, I'm going to spitball here, but we could maybe choose one or two series that we follow. And maybe we could alternate it with like um, shows that we've already seen and just give our thoughts and opinions on them. We could be more like an overall anime fandom podcast. I don't know, like it would be fun discussing shows that we've both seen or read, like Full Metal Alchemist, mm -hmm. or maybe even something like Avatar The Last Airbender. That would be fun. That could be fun. But they would be, yeah, more standalone episodes well i know we picked the name you hear big girls because it doesn't have the word attack on titan in it like it's it works obviously a reference but it's but flexible yeah you're still listening to big girls yes whatever we're talking about whether we talk yeah true <laughs> yeah i guess 
part of me like is ready for a break from everything yeah. from the pole. You want podcast, your life back. You want to go knitting. Yes. You want yes. to see your family yes. again. <laughs> yes. But I know also that if we stop, we probably won't start up again. And yeah. I don't want to not start up again. Like I would, I would like to continue at least having a reason to talk to you to this degree and to interact with you. So we'll come up with something. Or we'll start knitting together. Yeah, unless you move to Europe. Yes, no. I wish. <laughs> I know, it's not happening. We're not even allowed. <laughs> True. I don't know, maybe Canada. If we both move to Canada, we'll, we'll figure there out. There we go, yeah. we'll meet in Canada. Oh, only then will the podcast end. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. And then uh, the final question we got uh, was from Polka. Uh, Ten chapters ago, where did you see the story heading and how right or wrong were you? So, as mentioned before, we went back to the beginning. And, uh, well, in what order do you want me to play these clips? (laughs) (sighs) Let's go chronological. Okay. I don't think we have a clip for the first one. The 107 podcast, I was certain that Peak would be sacrificed to Colt. I was so sure she would die because I was certain that Porco would meet Historia. And I think I even said the words that they have to meet. And it all factors into the fact that I don't think Emir's story is done. And I still don't think Emir's story is done. So yeah, that that was, I was pretty impassioned about that. It's so funny, looking back, like seeing how Peak is still pretty much alive and kicking after almost dying. God knows how many times. I know. And I think we both were on the peak was going to die train because yeah. she, there were so many. And the fact that she's alive and Porco is not still burns a little bit. I feel, yeah, because there is more to explore with Porco, I guess, than there is with Peak. As Nitaku egregiously said as well a couple podcasts ago. Yes. <laughs> and my favorite part from 107 was that I really liked Nicolo back then. And then, of course, it all changed when he punched Gabby in the face and smacked uh, Falco with the wine bottle, the spine wine bottle. He's dead to you now. Oh, yeah. He can, he can, he can join Sasha in the afterlife. I'm good. <laughs> in that 107 podcast, we do have a rare moment of you being wrong. True, true. Would you like to listen to that? Yes, let's do it. Okay. Well, I mean, Isayama himself said that Erwin was still important and that he would still be, you know, appearing in the series. So who knows? Maybe we'll get something more. I think also someone else who died at the same time, Bertolt. Yeah. He never really got a true, like, goodbye from Reiner, for example. But now that he has been confirmed death, I think we will also be getting something there, perhaps. Okay. You still think we're going to get something there? Oh, I'm so disappointed. Like, nothing. Like, nothing, nothing after the Marley arc ended, nothing after Reiner came to Paradise, nothing when he saw Armin again, nothing. Porco remembered, but didn't use his name. We did get, like, a whole Jean punching the crap out of Reiner for Marco, but mm-hmm. Reiner cannot even mention Bertel. like... So what do you think? Do you think we're going to get it, or do you think that ship sailed? Oh, yeah. At this point, the ship has sailed. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> I was so hopeful. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, well. So we have another clip from 107. Oh, we do. Let's see. 
yeah, that's about you and um, how you felt about Aaron. Let's listen. <laughs> I want Aaron to be a hero. Okay, I want I want him to be I want him to be oh ultimately good. You know, grace, gray morality, whatever. I want ultimately him to do the right thing. So it's really fun to see him being presented as this terrible villain because I do feel like it's going to be resolved. Okay. So I'll put it that way. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure at this point. Okay. Well, I'm not either. Isayama is so unpredictable. Yeah, that's also the case. And I feel like he's also been trying to prove a point. Like, just because you identify with someone doesn't mean that they're always in the right. And I feel like he's really pushing that point really hard lately. And Aaron is clearly not in the right here. I mean, regardless of whether what he did in Marley turns out to ultimately benefit Paradis and the Eldian population, clearly it wasn't right. You know, it's one of those cases where the ends mm. does not justify the means. So I think we're definitely getting that message. So, so we kind of have to see where, yeah, where he ends up. But I think, yeah, it's safe to say that Aaron's dreams of how the future would be like have kind of died. And he's kind of forging a new future the best way he knows how. So that did not age well. You were so sure. <laughs> I know. It will get resolved. <laughs> I know. Ah. Oh, this, I know. Yeah, it was so good listening back to that because I didn't really remember that you were so on the Aaron train and Aaron is good and like yeah I couldn't even remember it so listening back to it was great fun well and I do really love at the end when you said that Isayama was trying to I forget exactly how you worded that um yeah that he's trying to hammer home that no matter how much you relate to yeah, a who's doing it yeah, mm -hmm. they can still be bad people I feel like from 107, you called it. So good for you. Mm -hmm. I, I <laughs> keep bringing up Leslie, but I was like, yeah, see, this is what I always said about Aaron. You know, and he's like, yes, but in far less kinder words. Uh, and let's see, what was the next funny thing you said? Oh, yeah. So this, this, we don't have clips from this, but uh, this didn't just happen in 107. In 108, Mamtaku said, I want Aaron to be a hero. I want him to be ultimately good it's fun to see him be presented as this horrible <sighs> villain <laughs> okay moving on let's see oh and you were hoping in 109 this, this one is just funny funny that uh Zachary and kiyomi would perish on the iceberg zone plane together i mean Zachary went out better than i expected let's i don't it. remember what i had against kiyomi well, she was kind of like uh, sketchy and out for money, and we didn't think she necessarily had Mikasa's best interest. Oh, okay. So, I, I like, she's still kind of just there at this point. Like, I don't... Yeah. Well, she's on her way to an ice burst plane now, isn't she? Yeah. <laughs> and I love how you just wrote, like, in the poll document, like, or podcast document, like, my ZK is well documented. <laughs> it is. Which is, like, the understatement of the century. We talked quite a bit about Kiyomi. I listened to that one too. Like we had so many expectations for her as a character that have not yet been realized. No, I think it's also because we hoped it played into Mikasa's role in the story. Yeah. So that's kind of a disappointment. Like we yeah. did a whole chapter about our hopes or our expectations there. Yeah. Okay. What's next? Mmm. Okay, this is from the podcast, our Christmas podcast, where we had Soul on. Okay, the 112? Yeah, so this kind of relates to um, how you felt about Zeke, but also about Aaron. So let's play that clip. 
I was looking at the chapter just now. He says, I hid myself in Liberio and spoke with Zeke brother to brother. And I, I do think that maybe Zeke's words to him back in Shiganshina, when he said, I will protect you, I will save you from this, that um, Aaron took those words to heart and sought out his brother. And this is literally him finding this member of his family and trusting him. And I, I hate to believe that, but I hate to believe that, like you all said, he's lost his spirit. He's lost his um, mind. I hate that more. Okay. There was a good, that, mm, it's a good theory. It was wishful thinking. It was wishful thinking. Yes. This is like where you were like, everything is Zeke's fault. Everything. So I really believe that that 112 conversation was Zeke's influence, that Aaron told Mika said that he hated her, that yeah. she was a slave, that Armin was controlled because Zeke had poisoned his mind. And now, oh my God, how that table turned. Because Zeke was all like, hey, hey she likes you. What you going to do about it? <laughs> Put that in a column of things I never expected to happen. Yeah. And also that like Aaron is the one trusting Zeke. And <laughs> I know. It was a really good theory. Oh. I, I will say his complete disdain for Zeke has been really hard for me to see. I I remember in that 112 episode, Soul saying that he had hoped that Zeke's love for his brother was authentic. True, yeah. That he hoped that Zeke truly loved his brother. And I didn't think so. I thought that Zeke was playing him. So I was dead wrong. And it turns out that Soul and you were right. He does genuinely love his brother. And Aaron has just been such a jerk to him. He's kind of been that way to everyone, so. True. But yeah, it was very interesting because it kind of like shows how much you hated Aaron and how much hope you had, sorry, how much you hated Zeke and how much you had high hopes for Aaron, for Aaron still. Yeah, so, yeah. Oh, yeah, like aged like milk, all of this. So uh, do you want to play the 113 one or should we skip that one? I don't think it's that interesting. Basically, it's just like, I just, I didn't, want anything to change my mind about Zeke. Yeah, I remember that. Like you were so, you were fully on the hate train and you were like, you knew that there was like some backstory coming and you were like, no, yes. I refuse to think other boys about Zeke. I will always hate him. And yep. how do you feel now? <sighs> Conflicted. I still hate him. But if Isayama's goal was to humanize him, I don't know if Isayama humanized him for me or if Kingsgrave did. I think it was probably more Kingsgrave. Mm. But for me, seeing that Zeke genuinely does love Eren and the moment in Paths where Grisha hugged him and said, I've, I've always loved you. And, you know, that, I mean, my, I, I, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I he'll never be my favorite character, but Isayama did manage to humanize him for me. And he's just another character that I pity now. Because it's one thing to kind of like, like we, we he was the, the guy before Aaron where we were like, yeah, we understand why he chose his path, but it's still wrong and he had a choice. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, And I still believe that, but... Seeing it has been a lot more emotional. I mean, I still hate, I still do not like Zeke at all. But do I understand him now a little bit? Yeah. Do I concede that he's not like a psychopath? Mm, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
I think the biggest shift for me on Zeke is that I was so sick of his story. Like I was so ready for his story to be done. And now I'm actually anxious to find out what's going to (laughs) happen to him. Like I actually crave Zeke now because I want to know how that moment with his father changed him, if it changed him. And that's going to be the thing that really determines how Zeke goes into like my ultimate scrapbook of SNK people. Like what he what he does now. He knows the truth now. Now there are no excuses. Have you had any shifts in your attitude towards Zeke? I'm not sure. Like even listening back to the the older podcast, I think I warmed up to him by then already a bit. I think I hated him more in Marley. <laughs> but that was more because he was messing up like Reiner's future. <laughs> yeah, he's I mean, he's just despicable. There's absolutely no way you can justify anything Zeke Yeager did. And I sure as heck never thought I'd reach the point where I would consider Zeke's plan more humane than Aaron's. Like, that's a shocker. Yeah, you are very much so convinced that whatever Zeke was planning would be way worse than what Aaron had in mind. Yeah. Who knew? Not me. No. Reedan did, though. He was so well. Oh, my God. In 1.010, he... Sorry, 1.10, he predicted... Like how the relationship was going to play out, that um, Zeke was not the one manipulating Aaron, but it was actually the other way around, that Aaron was pulling more strings than we thought, that Aaron's plan would be the most maniacal out of the two of them. So he was bought on money for for that. that. Yeah, it was impressive. Yeah, we both, I think at that time, we both thought Zeke was going to be the big bad of the series. At least worse than what he turned out to be, definitely. Yeah. So, well, I do have good news for you, Mamtaku, because uh, you're not the only one who messes up and gets things wrong. Oh, good. So, <laughs> um, and you got actually, you got this right. And that's uh, how Ani would be coming out of the crystal. So do you want to listen to that clip? Okay. So this is from the 116 podcast. The whole question is, how's Annie going to come out? Can Porco release her without killing her? Mm. Maybe. Can Aaron release her with his ability to create crystals and dissolve them, that Warhammer Titan power? Maybe. Would Aaron do it? No, because Aaron doesn't need her. So how's Annie going to get out? And there's been theories now that that coordinate power, that when Aaron activates the coordinate power, that that will wake her up. And I really like that theory. Like she accidentally comes out. I would love that. I'm just like, hmm. Aaron can unleash the wall titans using that power. Who's to say that wouldn't unleash Annie as well? Who knows? I mean, she could like just shift into like the female titan and maybe break the... She has to wake up first. What I'm saying is like that accidental (gasps) opening of that coordinate power in 51 (laughs) sent that jolt through all the shifters that were there. (laughs) So Aaron and Zeke doing it again. And that's that just sort of sets off the chemistry inside of Annie to wake up and come out. I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I love that too. I like that so much better because we're all, you know, half the fandom is like, well, maybe Armin will touch her and let her out. And, you know, well, maybe Aaron, maybe Porco. Like for it to be all accidental, just like, oops. I love it. And and I don't see Porco biting her out of the crystal. I mean, I I don't see her coming out of that alive if he does that yeah exactly if he does that it's to give her power to somebody else it's to turn her into a titan shifter Uh smoothie and pour her down (laughs) someone else's throat Uh that's the only way porco's getting her out 
the only one getting Annie out of that crystal is Annie. And the only way Annie's going to do it is if somebody pulls her out of sandcastle land and back into a present reality. And that would have to be the coordinate power. This is my favorite part. What do you think, Luna? I don't know if she can come out on her own. And I still am... I still think Porco could be able to claw her out very gently, maybe. But yeah. Gently? <laughs> <laughs> his little teeth just gnawing on it like a corn on the cob, trying to. I. Mm. But he, he can also use his, his claws. That also works. So. I. Mm, okay. That was beautiful. What do you have to say for yourself, Luna? Nothing. You were right. And I like that <laughs> Coffee loved it as well. Like, <gasps> being accidental. Yeah, that would be best. <laughs> Unexpected. Well, I don't think we thought Porco was going to die when he did. Porco no. had so much potential. Let's go back to that. <laughs> Nutaku said it. Here's another example. Oh, well. Oh, well. Yeah, he's been dead for over a year now. I know. Mm. So I do have one more moment from the 119 Mm. podcast that I think you need to listen to. Okay. And I've uploaded it privately to YouTube for you to listen to. So go ahead and click the link, Luna Loves Aaron. Oh, God. Oh, this chapter, I don't know. I'm I'm warming up to Aaron. I don't know how this happened. I blame Heidi. <laughs> I already told her. <laughs> like, this was your plan all along, right? This is why you let me in the Aaron server, even though I don't like Aaron. <laughs> so, yeah. Now, this chapter, Aaron, we saw a bit more emotion from him. He looked very concerned this entire chapter. So that got me to thinking, like, there might still be some good in him. He, you know, he did a lot of messed up things, but... I would rather see him turn over a new leaf and indeed go forward in making this world a better place somehow than keep going on the path he's on right now. So, yeah, I'm slowly warming up to him again. Slowly warming up to him again. Let's, yeah. Now, that was the 119 podcast. That's the one where Gabby shoots off his head and he, like, you thought that he showed some emotion for Colt and tried to stop the scream, which I do think he did try to stop the scream, but you had a moment. I had a moment, and the worst part is it's because of the final uh, manga exhibit. There's this panel at the end of Reiner helping Eren up, so I thought, and it might still happen, but not in the same capacity as I clearly thought back then, that uh, Reiner would give Eren, like, let him see a different way to resolve things or something, right? I mean, we thought Reiner was going to do it. Do you still think that Reiner... A lot of people still think that Reiner will be, uh, like, the Helos. Mm -hmm. At least the Reiner fandom. Like, uh, oh, a lot of, like... uh, Did you see the cute birthday art of Reiner? Him as a kid with the Helos? I did. Uh, That was cool. There was a lot of great Reiner birthday art. The thing is, there's five chapters left. Because it's ending in January. Not We know it's not ending in 2020 because of the COVID delay. And also we know that there's going to be um, extra merchandise that's going to release along with the chapters. 
And the last month for that is January. So we know that at least January will have some sort of chapter, maybe an epilogue, maybe a full chapter. We don't know. But uh, I just, if if there was going to be something between Aaron and Reiner, I kind of wish it had happened before so we could see more of it. So I'm not saying it, it can't happen. It's just there's so many alternatives right now. And we know Armin and Aaron are going to meet up. So, mm, do do you see him having um like a very defining moment in all of this still? Reiner? Yeah. No. Mm. I mean, I think everyone's going to get like one last moment. I mean, we're, we're really, I mean, you think about it, we've got maybe four chapters left, right? Or less. Four. Yeah, at least four. I feel like they're all going to contribute to stopping Aaron in their various ways, but nobody's, the only person I could see having... Like, if anyone's going to stop Aaron that isn't Aaron, it's going to be Ymir. Ymir's the mm. only one with the power. I feel like Reiner has to do something all of this. I feel like he has been... His story has been just as important as Aaron's this entire manga. So there has to be something poignant left for him. If not, I'm burning the whole manga. I, I'm done. <laughs> well, that's me with Historia. There's... I know there's still mystery left, but how significant is it? And I've been really pinning my hopes on it being very significant, not just she gets one more conversation. Yeah. So that's the hardest thing, right? Because I, I feel like I said this years ago, 2017, I was talking to friends. We were we were really frustrated, or maybe it was 2016. I, have a, I found it in a Discord chat. Somebody reminded me of it. <laughs> where I talked about this series as being like a million tiny deaths because we have all month to think about the ways the story could go. Isayama is very good at making us fall in love with characters. So we spend all month focusing on our favorite character and the way it could go. And then when it doesn't happen, when our character is not as important as we thought they were or not who we thought they were, it hurts. It's like all the hopes and dreams dying repeatedly. So I know that for me was like Hanji. I was thought Hanji was going to be a major character and now turns out not so much. You know, Reiner got the full protagonist treatment for a very long time. So mm. I would like to think that he gets that big, some big culmination. The only character I know will get a big emotional payoff has got to be Levi. Levi, cannot, they cannot be dragging that guy around just because Isayama is afraid of losing the, you know, there's got to be something there will be something happening but i don't expect any big he had his big emotional moments levi like leave some for the rest i i well it doesn't have to be a lot like i look at um magath and shadis they that was a that was porco Mm. colt they all had really great deaths like i'd rather my character get a really great death than just be drug around in the story pointlessly (laughs) okay fair enough I still really, really, yeah, I mean, uh, th- this is just something I'm adamant about. Like, Reiner will have a big role to play at the end. I cannot imagine it going otherwise. I'll, I'll, I don't know what I will do. I'm marking this one down yeah, for yeah, our please last do. podcast. <laughs> <laughs> please do. Okay. So those are all the clips that we uh, managed to get her for, uh, for this time. Hope you enjoyed listening to them. You're lucky that we didn't do the very, very thirsty ones because there is quite, quite a trail of Reiner thirst in this uh, two years. Uh, I remember there's also some, some, some big um, Irwin thirst. 
I would say that my thirst, it's 60-40. Like, I think you're a little more thirsty than me. Of course, I've been better fed than you. So, of course, you're thirstier than me. (laughs) I'm parched, honey. I'm parched. I would say that's been like of the last year of chapters. (laughs) I would never in my wildest dreams have expected him to show up in, what was it, 112, 113, 115, 117. You know, it's just like, just keep on giving me, giving me that guy. Just one panel and you're like, oh, yeah. I never thought his story was over, over, but it's more, more than I ever imagined when it comes to how much he's factoring into the story despite not being alive anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm very happy about that. Okay, so that's what we received this month. Who isn't a traitor anymore? What? A quick fire. Oh, we got a quick. Wait, Polka always sends those to me. Yeah, and this time he sent it to me. Ha. Huh. Ha. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so it's I. I don't know. We'll. I guess we'll be done quickly because it's just the two of us. Okay. But um. <clears throat> Yeah, here we go. I've never, okay, in the history of Quickfire, <laughs> I have never not known what the options were in advance. True. Just so you know. It's fun being the one with all the power for once. <laughs> Enjoy it. Okay, I will. I'll savor it. Um, okay, first one. Armin or Aaron? Armin. Aaron. Rumbling or Zeke's plan? Zeke's plan. Zeke's plan. Honey or Historia? Historia? Funny? Oh, oh God. Ramsey or Faye? Who's that is more tragic? Ah, we, okay, I know this is supposed to be the quick fire, but believe it or not, in the poll, we thought about going there there, and we decided not to because we're better than that. Dude, Polka, why you gotta? I mean, I'm gonna go with Faye. Same. I, I can't look at that image, especially in the anime. Oof. Oof. It's, it's all awful, but... Okay, next one. Reiner or Jean? Are you still there? Yes. Oh. I... Oh, come oh, on. Man. Come on. Jean has been my favorite of the one of fourth boys from chapter one. And I didn't like Reiner until Marley arc. So we were talking about a long, somebody I've loved a long time versus somebody who I love now. And that's hard. I'll say Reiner. <laughs> I will go with Reiner. Good. Reiner, obviously. <laughs> Peak or Yelena? Um, Peak. Yeah, Peak. Mist ending or Marvel ending? Marvel ending. Anything but missed ending. I mean, I would be okay if he meant Marvel in the sense of endgame with like some key characters dying. Mm -hmm. That would be better than I think Guardians of the Galaxy. Then I would go with Marvel ending. Otherwise, did I tell you about this one as well? I think I have the missed ending where Aaron is doing this to save his friends. And in the end, like they all still die and he rumbled the entire word. So he's left with nothing. See, that's the ending I dread. Yeah. That's the one that I dread. And and there's been some conversation in the podcast Discord about, you know, the ecological damage he's doing True. will yeah. effectively kill all life on Earth anyway. So. Yeah. Oh. Oh, that's another thing that we, that I got wrong, that we don't have a clip for is I thought Yelena was, you. I remember, I don't remember what podcast it was pretty early on though. 
I had a lot of theories about Yelena, and you made the comment that Yelena's brain is ninety percent <laughs> Zeke, Zeke and little ten percent other. And I kind of expected her to be more developed as a character. So it was probably the chapter, um, uh, the one nineteen, where that happened as well. So another instance of me being wrong. Yeah, I think we were expecting her also to be a little bit more fleshed out, and all we got was so far is that she's actually Marleyan, Marleyan. Right. We got uh, a little surprise there. Yeah. But you absolutely called it. She is 90% <laughs> Zeke and 10% like basic life functions, breathing, <laughs> eating. Yeah. Okay. Next one. Flach uh, on ship or flach on land? I, I am team Flach is on the port. Yeah, me too. I'm, he's on land. If, if he's somehow... On the Iceberg Stone ship, I I will flip a switch. I <laughs> People think he's being dragged behind. Yeah. <laughs> but you would have, can you imagine in the water for four and hours or like whatever it takes? Advanced to- keel hauling almost, where he's just underwater mm-hmm. being dragged along, I'm imagining. <laughs> mm-hmm. oh. Okay, next one. Uh, Gabby or Falco? I pick Gabby. This is a hard one now. It used to be easy. It used to be, but she's more interesting. Oh, okay. Mm. I had to concede my love for Jean. I think it's time for you to do it for Falco. Uh, fine, Gabby. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, next one. Mikasa or Hanji? Hanji. It's close, but Hanji. Mikasa. Only because she's been growing a bit on me the past few chapters. Well, you know what happens when somebody grows on you. That's true. (laughs) Okay. So um, which chapter did you prefer? Emer's story chapter, which was 122, or this chapter? Mm. Because the the Emer story chapter is still the highest rated one so far. They were, um, I think I'm going to go with this one. But yeah, I mean, 122 was just perfection. But this one, we waited so long for this. And I... This one was answers to things I've wondered longer. You know, Emir's backstory was something I'd kind of casually wondered, but this one, like, this is the basement reveal. This chapter is another basement reveal. I don't think I enjoyed uh, 122 as much as the rest of the fandom did, but I do remember feeling very uncomfortable after reading that chapter. And I'm guessing the way a lot of people felt about this chapter but because I was already anticipating this, I don't think the impact was as large on me, this chapter, whereas Emir's was more shocking to me. So I'll go with uh, 122. I'll prefer- Yeah, I think I prefer that one. Okay, next one will be a hard one, I think. Who will die next? Do I have choices? No. It's an open question. Um... Uh, one of the mechanics. What? On the ice burst plane. A mechanic on the oh, ice burst plane. Okay. <laughs> it's a cop-out answer, okay. I know, I know. I'm thinking. You go ahead and answer first. I'm going to think. It's so, so hard. Who do I want to die next would be Flock. <laughs> you see, I think Flock will live. I think he's safe on the port for now, unfortunately. Yeah. Um. Who will die next? I do think a lot of people are going to die next, though. I mean, yeah, the rest of the world. 
<laughs> no, even our cast. I mean, they're going to go to Odiha as the Titans are arriving. Like, it's there's no way this is going to end well. I mean, I feel like it would be too shonen if they all survived. Right. Right? Like, there has to be at least a couple of people dying. I okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a a real answer. And I I theorized this before that when they get to Odiha, they're gonna have to somehow split up. Some are gonna have to sacrifice their lives to get the plane off the ground, and only those on the plane will survive. That's kind of been my theory. I mean, something's for gonna me, happen. I think the most logical would be uh, Hanji and Oyankopum die. Yeah, well, Oyankopo might be flying the plane, I guess. I have him as pilot. Okay. I have Hanji on the plane just because I want Hanji on the plane. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to be got, on the plane. She's going to... I've got Reiner. Yes. Jean, Armin. I'm I'm guessing the plane. I'm guessing eight people on the plane. I'm guessing all and, the shifters and Armin and Mikasa. For, and other than that... I don't think all the shifters. I see Peek staying behind. Uh, Annie staying behind. I don't know. It's it's. I think it's going to be sad. Whatever, whichever way it goes, it's also possible this all gets resolved in paths, no, and we never. It's not. Well, we need that airplane moment. Yeah. We need that. We need Armin in the plane. But that's that's a good point, at least. Somebody sent me a um, uh, an ask to Tumblr about how I really should read this chapter while listening to final audio. I thought that was a mm. would be an interesting experience. But yeah, that final audio has to happen. Yeah. Oh, but it's it's indeed interesting. Like maybe they indeed have to uh, prevent the colossals from like trampling over the plane and the mechanics who are servicing it. So yeah, that that's how I see it. If, if everyone makes it out of that alive, yeah, that wouldn't be. Yeah, I feel like we have to have indeed more people sending off, and I I I feel like Hanji might be one of them. I, we've just lost Magath. I just don't want to see Hanji go too. We need some grown-ups left, please. Yeah, I, I, uh, I don't have high hopes if that's going to be the case, but um, we'll see how this plays out. I, okay, I, Kiyomi. Kiyomi will uh, sacrifice I, her life. I, she's old. There. I mean, she can do some some good moves, but uh, I, I'm not. She's not on that plane. Let me put it like that. <laughs> Whoever's on the plane lives, whoever isn't on the plane dies. Yeah. And I can see here if there's a need, you know, she would be okay with like Mikasa carrying on the line or something. They need to talk. And if, if you know, that could be the moment where whatever is left on that conversation happens because we need it. Yeah, I think she was pretty interested in making sure that, you know, the last of the line of the Shogun was alive and well. And I, I feel like if her entire country is being trampled, even more important that there is someone to carry on the traditions. We speculated in those early podcasts that Mikasa had more importance like than just being some sort of a figurehead or something. I, I am less hopeful for that, but still think it's that there's more to that story that we need. Sometimes we, we complain about how much nothing really happens in chapters, but other times I'm like, oh, I wish we had gotten more on this character. Like, I feel like there's so much wasted potential. <laughs> okay, final question. Was Andrew's stream the best reaction? And between brackets it says, hint, it was. <laughs> <laughs> it, Andrew's reaction was fantastic. And I can't believe, because you're not a huge fan of, of Andrew's live streams. Uh, like, well, mm, 
okay, let's go with that. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I knew because I remember his reaction when um, Zeke exploded, like he was crying, thinking Zeke had died. And I thought like, this this might be one of those chapters where he might have a strong reaction again. So as soon as, was it Poco who posted the link? I was like, okay, I'm on that. Show me, yeah. <laughs> show me the tears. <laughs> We had to stop to record the first session, yeah. which I was, I, but I at least got to see the, what I wanted yeah, to see. I, I missed all I the discussion I love how we were afterwards. discussing it, like giving a play-by-play of how he was reacting. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was hilarious. It's still up, I think. He, I think he posted the his reaction. So if you want to see it and how you reacted, then uh, we'll leave it in the link below. You can watch. And I will say this, like when we tried to do a reaction to the trailer and we were so bad at it, like yeah. there's a, it's a definite talent to be able to do a good chapter reaction. And Andrew does a very yeah. good job. You, they're those, very funny so. usually. So I, they are worth checking out. And I also checked out Roger's base and this other guy that was linked in our server. I don't know him, but who got, he got so mad when Ramsey died. He like smacked his hand on the table and was like, God damn it. So, <laughs> what was Rod? I didn't watch Roger Bases. Uh. Yeah, I I don't think it was that strong, but he was also like, oh no, oh no, you know, and he kept reading, and then he was like, squish like a grape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so it was a. I don't. I think everyone who I saw reading it was feeling the dread and the horror of the situation. So. We commented in the in the podcast Discord about how it was also the not just you know we were watching the destruction of Beirut, but it was also the anniversary of bombs being dropped on Hiroshima, and we'd wondered if that panel where their image is like ghosted in the footsteps was a direct callback to that. And I don't think anything's been stated on it, but most everyone agreed that it absolutely was the inspiration for that panel. So. Yeah, it, it. I mean, it, yeah, especially if you still see and listen to the survivor stories of uh-huh. how gruesome it was. I think, I don't know if it was intentional, but it, I wouldn't put it past Isayama. But even if it wasn't, it was a great moment to have this chapter because it made perfect sense with also comparing it to real life events that were absolutely horrifying and destructive in every sense of the word so yeah and at least we have like people you know like we have footage of it we have you know survivors accounts of it so we know how terrible it was um is there a happier way to end this podcast (laughs) we can thank our patreons (laughs) thanks for supporting this depressing drivel month after month yay (laughs) Like to thank Kenny H, Teton Yeager, Simon Cox, Anne M, and we have a new Patreon, Silarana. How do you pronounce that, Luna? Silarana? Siladana? Sila. Yeah. We have a new Patreon. <laughs> a new Patreon. And we hadn't announced our newest Patreon goal. We had been wanting to transcribe the podcast. We'd gotten a few requests for that and it was just so expensive. I think 25 cents a minute is uh, what most transcription services charge. And when you've got a three-hour podcast, even I can do the math on that one. It was just not something we could afford to do. That adds up. Yeah. But with our latest Patreon, we now have enough to cover our hosting, our domain name, and hopefully transcription. So... 
we will probably, uh, the last few episodes, be able to provide transcription of those. So not only can you listen to me say stupid things, <laughs> you can actually get like, you can copy paste it because it'll be there in the transcription, me saying stupid things. Looking so. forward to that so much. Yes. So how, much. How much easier will that be if we're looking for a stupid moment? We'll just be able to like search yeah. <laughs> for it, you know? Just control F and then be like, ah. Yes. <laughs> you just have to remember the one stupid word I said. I think that's been also looking back over two years, actually having people enjoy it and support it. That's been, I was amazing. not expecting that. It's amazing. Thank you. This is a lot of work, but we do it mostly because we enjoy it, because we want to do this. Yeah. But to have other people think it's worth it has been kind of mind-blowing. Yeah. And it's because of you guys that we've been able to distribute the podcast and make it available to more and more people. So now that we actually have the means to transcribe it as well, we hope to make it more accessible to everyone. And, and okay, we did recently just reach our, what, 10,000th view, which sounds huge, but really it's not. Like it's yeah. for two years, but, you know, big audience, small audience, doesn't matter. There's one hope that I have, and that's to hit 500 subscribers on YouTube for our two-year anniversary. We're almost that there. That would be nice. We're Are we really? I haven't yeah, looked. Yeah, 19 people left. Left? Oh, 19. They, okay, we have 19. I thought 19 people left. Like, what did we do? <laughs> okay, that's a that is an attainable goal. Right? We need to like... So if you're yes. listening to this and you see like, hey, we they haven't reached 500 yet and you're not subscribed yet. Make our dreams come true. Thank you. Or... If you are subscribed, please feel free to share, spread the love. <laughs> Tell your friends. And who knows? It would be an amazing anniversary gift. Thank you so much. That's not enough to unlock the community feature, though, is it? No, like, to unlock that, no. you have to have. Yeah. We'll never hit that. I mean, if we keep going for two more years, <laughs> maybe. I know you were looking at some analytics data that kind of plotted when we would ever reach the point where, yeah, it was kind of not... Nice to contemplate how long it would take to hit that, but who knows? Maybe, maybe with season four of the anime, we'll we'll grow a bit quick, more quickly. Maybe so. Okay, I think that's it. That's it. I wanted to say this has been fun. I and I mean, like this episode, just me and you. We haven't done this in a very long time. Yeah, it was a good idea to uh, have it just be us again. It's fun, and I get to talk. <laughs> Yes. That's my goal for year three, not monopolize the conversation. <laughs> uh, good luck. <laughs> mm -hmm. I just want to thank all of our previous guests who, um, you know, recorded their chapter thoughts with us. We're sending a clip. This podcast would not have been possible without you. So thank you so much. It was great. Mm -hmm. Any last thoughts? Nope. Okay. Well, then as always, thank you for offering your hearts and your ears. And until next month. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Are you still there? Yep. I was waiting to make oh. sure you were done. Yeah. <laughs> Look at me trying not to talk over you. Yay. Oh, it only took, what, 24 months? <laughs> <laughs>